Ja, hallo und herzlich willkommen zu einer, weit oh, äh, zu einer weiteren Sitzung vom Corona-Ausschuss. The Corona Committee. This is session number 113. Uh, I'm going to switch over to English because I am abroad. I'll tell you in a minute where I am. I just like to welcome our audience in German because for the German committee, it's a special day as well, because today is our second anniversary. Today, two years ago, we started with the interviews and uh, by coincidence at the same date. Und uh, jetzt mache ich auf Englisch weiter, denn ich um, very special day today because we are opening an outpost of the Corona Investigative Committee in Israel. And so I'm delighted to be here today with Avital Livni und and uh, uh, Mrs. Levy, she's a nurse and she's going to give us a little bit details of her um, what she has experienced in a few seconds. Rainer is in Berlin and we have actually like uh, used this kind of setup because we would like to show that this is um, what's happening is like the um, mycelium effect. So we're basically like um, like mushrooms spreading out around the world. And it's, uh, you know, so um, before we have been um, like building an underground network like through all these two years now and uh, have been connecting with um, experts and um, activists all around the world. And now the time has come to um, put our head out of the ground and um, therefore install this outpost in Israel. And we're going to look at um, a lot of the details that's, uh, that have been, um, you know, the things that have been going on here with regards to the Corona crisis. And the um, outpost is going to be headed by Avital Livni. And also, I don't know if we can see them now, by Ilana Rachel Daniel. Are you here with us, uh, Ilana? I'm here. Hello. Everyone. So Ilana cannot be with us today because she's traveling. And we have a third person involved. This is Dr. Jaffa, um, um, sorry, Sheras. Hi. Hello. Hi, Vivian. Hello. So nice to be Yeah. Uh, the idea is that we'll, the, um, the Israeli um, um, offshoot of the uh, of the committee is going to be in both Hebrew and English. So we're going to conduct, I guess, most of the uh, conversations here in Hebrew, and then it's going to be translated simultaneously into English. And Rainer and myself, either both of us or like taking turns, uh, will also join uh, the uh, committee from abroad, and we'll provide experts from Germany and other uh, places in the world, like Dr. Wolfgang Wodak which I think we might like to invite for the first proper session. And also we'll talk to people from Israel so we can see like both what's going on internationally and on the grounds here. So Avital, would you like to say a few words? Yes, I'm, I feel very privileged being here. And um, it's a great uh, challenge for us and also to get connected with uh, all the world and to bring news from Israel, what's going on in Israel, the experts from Israel, alternatives from Israel. And uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm very, very happy to be here. And would you like us to uh, start or? Maybe, maybe just a few words from Ilana and mm -hmm. Yafa. Okay. Yeah. Ah, you can do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is wonderful. This, I think that this initiative is truly significant. 
Um, Vivian's really a visionary and you really have to be, um, I think, visionary to make any changes. And um, this is really the, you know, we've spent the past two years making connections. And I think it was clear to so many of us that it's the international connections which will move us forward and will actually be able to create a parallel world to the one that we see being actively destructed. And this is really, truly a first step. I think it has all the potential in the world. I wish everyone involved, all of us, all of us, uh, you know, who, who what the German Corona Committee has meant so much to people resisting what's happening today. And, um, you know, really the sky is the limit. And I think that it can't be overstated, the fact that it's this healing and this dynamic process is coming between this connection between the, the, the visionaries of Germany and of Israel. Um, and I wish everyone so much luck. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Ilana. Um, yeah, I think in times when they are trying to isolate us, um, coming together, all of us, from all of the countries for, from all over the world, it's really a, a great initiative, an absolutely great initiative. Yeah, do you know, we have been watching close to, closely what's been going on in Israel like in the last two years, and we've spoken to several of you. I mean, obviously, this is also how we met. And there you can see that the, the network that the Corona mm -hmm. uh, Committee created is, is bearing fruit on a personal and, and um, uh, investigative uh, kind of level. But I think it's very important. You know, we see so many connections here on the German side, you know, that we have um, basically Professor Drosten from, from Germany inventing or whatever, like, how shall we say it's like creating with maybe who, who, who knows what kind of purpose this uh, test and also the involvement of German companies like BioNTech, CureVac, who holds the, uh, who has the patent. And um, so we see a lot of German involvement and I think um, that's especially why we feel responsible to some extent um, also, um, you know, around the world to help uh, stop this uh, this madness. And I think Israel, who has been very much uh, in the forefront of like this this whole uh, experiment, um, is a very good place to start with outposts. Raina, would you like to make some comments? No, let's just get going because our viewers have probably been waiting, and they can't wait to hear what's going on in Israel. Thank you. Yeah, so let's start. So we have um, a guest with us. Maybe can you introduce yourself? So uh, she's going to talk in Hebrew and Abital is going to yes. translate. Yes. You have made some terrible experience. Yes. I thought I was Shulamit, she's a nurse in uh, her uh, profession, uh, professional life, uh, 65 years old. And I will add that she um, has taken part of the Israeli Testimonies Project. She gave her testimony um, a few months ago. And now uh, she will tell us a little bit of her experience and um, what, what she had to go through. Yes. Okay. 
התחילה הקורונה לפני שנתיים, ובתוקף תפקידי לא הייתי בסגר, המשכתי לעבוד. טיפלתי בחולי קורונה בבית. אחרי פעם, פעמיים הבנתי שזה לא מגפת העולם, שאני מטפלת בחולים, דואגת שהחלון תמיד יהיה פתוח, והכול בסדר, והחולים מבריאים, וגם אני ממשיכה לחיי. אז שנייה, אני נעשה עצירה, I will translate. Uh, the beginning of uh, the, the COVID um, burst into our lives, uh, she was working the whole time as a nurse, and um, quite soon after everything started, she realized that it's not going to be at the end of uh, civilizations. Uh, she was working with COVID um, 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 patients. patients, yes, thank you. And uh, she, she was just keeping the window open, but she was treating them the whole time and she was perfectly okay the whole time, yes. אחרי שנה כמעט, אני חושבת, שאז הגיעו החיסונים, ומשרד הבריאות אילץ, התחיל לאלץ ולדרוש מכל צוות, מכל הצוות הרפואי והסיעודי להתחסן. באופן עקרוני, אני לא... לא, לא לוקחת שום טיפול רפואי או תרופתי שאני לא מכירה ואני לא יודעת, ואני התנגדתי לקחת את הזריקה. <coughs> משרד הבריאות הודיע שמי שלא מתחסן, פשוט ימצא את עצמו מפוטר. כן, נתרגם. אחרי כמעט שנים, כשהסוכנות וקסינס הגיעו לישראל, Um, all the medical um, workers, the doctors, nurses were uh, obligated and had to uh, take those shots. And they were informed that if they will not do it, they will lose their jobs. Uh, originally, um, she was against it because she, um, she's against taking pills, medicines, or anything that she doesn't know, uh, doesn't have enough information of. since it was experimental. Uh, she, wasn't, uh, she was very reluctant and wasn't very happy uh, to take it, but there was this obligation that they knew that they will uh, lose their, their jobs if they will not do that. I was in a period of time, and I went to sleep. והתחסנתי. כשלושה ימים אחרי החיסון, היה לי איזשהו אירוע מאוד מוזר. תוך כדי נסיעה היה לי הבזק בעין, בעין ימין, כאב ראש נוראי וחוסר אוריינטציה. הסתכלתי ימינה-שמאלה ולא ידעתי איפה אני, נאלצתי לעצור את האוטו בצד, לנסות לשחזר איפה אני נמצאת, מה אני עושה, אפילו לא היה לי את היכולת להיכנס לאוטו ולחייג למישהו שיעזרו לי. עכשיו, זו דרך שאני מכירה, אני נוסעת בה מאז שאני ילדה, זה האזור שגדלתי בו, 
לא ניסיתי לשחזר מאיפה באתי, לאן אני הולכת. הכל היה מין כזה של וואו, לא יודעת איפה אני נמצאת. זה בערך היה חצי שעה כזאת. Um, the pressure to get the shot uh, was increasing. Eventually, she took the first uh, shot. Three days after she took it, uh, she was driving in a road that she knows her whole life. Suddenly, she saw like a flash of light in her right ear, uh, right eye, sorry, and a terrible pain. And she experienced almost half an hour of this orientation. where she didn't know where she was. She had to stop the car on the side and try to figure out what she's doing. She didn't even, she wasn't even in a situation that she could call someone or she just didn't know what she was going to do next. It was almost half an hour that she was standing on the side of the car and trying to understand what is going on with her. And... אוקיי, נספר את ה... זאת אומרת, יום או יומיים אחרי זה הלכתי לרופא המשפחה, כי זה היה אירוע מאוד מפחיד, מאוד מבהיל. אני בדרך כלל נבהלת, אבל זה באמת היה משהו מאוד מבהיל. בעיקר הכאבי ראש שלא פסקו. רופא המשפחה שלי פשוט ישב, הסתכל, הוא מכיר אותי, יודע שאני לא בן אדם חולה ולא בן אדם היסטרי ולא... הוא אמר, אני לא יודע מה להגיד. ביקשתי שירשום שזה קרה אחרי החיסון. אי אפשר. לא שייך. זאת אומרת, הוא לא אמר לא שייך, אלא הוא פשוט הגיב בשפת גוף שלו, זה היה לא שייך, לא יכול לכתוב. ואין לי מה לעשות. בואי נראה לאן זה ילך. אני לא ראיתי מה הוא רשם, אם הוא רשם בכלל, את ההשתלשלות של העניינים. מה שהוא ביקש זה שאני אסע למיון לעשות אק"ג, כי הוא דווקא הלך על משהו לבבי. והסברתי לו שהדופק והמואץ והזעה שהייתה זה בסך הכל היה מחרדה, כי זה באמת מצב, זה מצב שמעורר חרדה, זה לא, גם אני, יש לי חרדות, אין מה לעשות. It will not happen, it cannot happen. Uh, and he told her to go um, to the hospital to get uh, her heart checked. He was afraid it, it has to do something with the heart. But that was the doctor who vaccinated her as well? Uh, the doctors oh. in Israel, usually they don't vaccinate. It's the nurses that okay. you get to uh, like- But it's a, the same doctor's office where this, that she went to after it happened? Bottom, no, it's a family. Yes. But it's not a family. It's a family. 
No, she got the shot in a different okay. place. That's her doctor. That it's her a doctor that doctor. knows her. And also, okay. I forgot to say that she said Family he knows doctor. her. Family doctor. Okay. Family doctor. And he knows her for years. And he knows mm -hmm. that she's not a sick person. Usually she's not ill. She's not hysterical. Mm -hmm. So she had a good reason to come there and to see what's going on. That's why he referred her uh, to do a follow check in the hospital. Mm -hmm. אני מודה שבאופן עקרוני אני לא נסעתי למיון, כי זה לא נראה לי שום בעיה לבבית, והמשכתי. הגיע המועד של החיסון השני, ושוב הגשתי אליו, ושאלתי אותו מה לעשות. זה לא נראה לי הגיוני שאני אמורה להתחסן. והתשובה שלו הייתה שהוא מנוע מלהגיד לי אם כן או לא, רופא משפחה. אוקיי. היא לא הלכה לבית החולים, כי על פי מה שהיא יודעת, היא לא חושבת שיש לה משהו עם הלב. אבל הזמן לשחקים הראשון הגיע, אז היא הלכה אליו עוד פעם לשאול אותו על עצמו, כי זה לא נראה לוגי אחרי מה שהיא עשתה, לבוא ולשחק את השחק הראשון. והיא שאלה אותו, מה אתה חושב? והוא אמר, אני לא יכול לומר אם כן או לא, אם אתה חושב את השחק או לא. ממש עבר חודש מהחיסון הראשון, ואז הייתה לנו איזו פגישה על הקורונה עם... אחד מהרופאים שלנו, שהוא... אל תצייני, אבל הוא מנהל קורונה. ביותר שומר. ואני סיפרתי את הסיפור הזה שהיה, ואמרתי שזה פשוט... אני לא הכרזתי לזה משהו לבבי, אלא משהו יותר נוירולוגי. והוא בהינף יד אמר שזה שום דבר. בחיסון השני אין תופעות לוואי, זאת הייתה תופעת לוואי שחלפה, ובסדר, אוקיי. זה נאמר לא בחדר, אלא בישיבה. אוקיי. כמה ימים אחר כך, הם This and that happened to me. I think it has to do with the neurological uh, um, serious neuro the second the second shot and he told her, oh, it's nothing. it has nothing to do with that. And uh, he told her that the second dose has no um, side effects. It's perfectly okay to take it. And he said it uh, in a um, um, בינתיים, בחודש עד החיסון השני, אני עם כאב ראש מאוד ממוקד מעל העין, שלא מניח. אני מרגישה איזושהי הרגשה, תחושה של עייפות מאוד מוגברת. ואני שמה לב שבמשך היום אני פשוט מורידה את המשקפיים כי הן מפריעות לי. זה לא שאני רואה טוב בלעדיהן, אבל אני פשוט מורידה כי זה עושה לי סחרחורת בבחירות. משקפיים לטווח ארוך? 
לטווח ארוך ואז הבנתי, הלכתי, החלפתי משקפיים, עשיתי משקפיים חדשות, כי אמרה לי שיש בעיה בעין ימין, יש ירידה אופטימטריסטית. והזמנתי תואר לרופא עיניים, שהוא לקח חודשיים, שכבר החלטתי, הספקתי להחליף פעמיים משקפיים, כי המספר המשיך לרדת. והגעתי לרופאת עיניים, והיא שואלת אותי, מה קרה, למה את פה? את היית פה לפני חודשיים, שלושה חודשים, הכל היה תקין, אז מה? סיפרתי לה, היא אמרה שהיא לא חושבת שזה קשור לזריקות, היא לא שמעה על זה. הצעתי לה שאני אעביר לה מאמרים שכן נתקלתי בזה, שיש תופעת לוואי כזאת. והיא אמרה שהיא לא רואה בזה קשר, והיא גם לא כתבה שום קשר. אבל בזמן הזה לקחת כבר את החיסון השני או שעדיין לא? בזמן, עד שהגעתי אליה, לקחת את החיסון השני. זאת אומרת, הרגשת הגרדרות בראייה? כן. גם בהמשך, עוד לפני זה קצת, וגם אחרי כן, זה התחיל. זה התחיל ממש כמה ימים אחרי החיסון. ‫היא הלכה אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
אף אוזן גרון טען שזה אלרגיה. אוקיי. זה התחיל ממש סמוך לחיסון הראשון. אוקיי. הגרד וה... אוקיי. אחרי שהיא complicated procedure in her mouth and teeth and her whole uh, left side was starting to get infections also in the nose uh, everything was failing there they couldn't proceed with uh, with what uh, they started to do and on top of it she had um, like um, it looked like an allergic reaction in her ear but it's like an itch that doesn't stop inside her ear of course the doctor said it, ah, it looks like allergies it's nothing and after her sight was uh, becoming worse and worse she went into uh, to see a specialist a special doctor uh, eye, eye doctor eye doctor okay okay as she got to the שהיא רואה שיש בעיה בעין, זה לא בעיה, היא אמרה שאנחנו לא נצליח, שאין אין לנו מה לעשות, כרגע זו פגיעה כנראה עצבית בעין, והעין לא, לא תתקדם, לא נוכל לראות בה. היא הציעה איזשהו ניתוח שהוא דמוי ניתוח קטראקט, לנקות את העין כדי לא להכביד על עין שמאל, כי גם פה כבר התחלנו לראות ירידה. מה שנאמר, הניתוח הצליח, אבל העין לא צלחה. כן, זאת הייתה שנה של... שנה מאוד קשה, גם של זיהומים, של עייפות בלתי נשלטת, שאני נוהגת ותוך כדי אני נרדמת. אבל תספרי לי גם את מה שאמרת, שחשבת שהיא לא מאמינה לך. אוקיי, אני אספר. ערפת עיניים, שאלתי אותה אחרי שהיא בדקה אותי אם היא צוחקת, אם זה מצחיק אותה מה שאני אומרת, כי זו הייתה הרגשה שלי שכולם מאוד מזלזלים בי כל הזמן. והיא סובבה את הצג של המחשב, היא הראתה לי שכתוב, שהיא כתבה, שהירידה הדרסטית התחילה מסמוך לחיסון. עד העיוורון, עד המצב שהגענו אליו. אוקיי, אז אני אתרגם את הכל. The specialist told her that she will not get her sight back in her right eye. There is nothing much to do. They can make some kind of like a cataract operation, but it will not help. Of course, they did it and it didn't help. And they will try to save the left eye. She said she's not the only one. She sees a lot of cases like that. And at the beginning, Shulamit was telling her, I'm sure you're laughing at me when I tell you it's because of the, of the so-called vaccine. And she, told, and she said, no, no, look what I wrote. She turned her uh, computer screen to her and showed her that she wrote that it specifically happened after getting the shot, losing the sight until uh, becoming totally uh, blind on her right eye. So Shulamit is now blind on her, on her eye? You're blind on one eye? Little. Um, I will translate. Um, Shulamit 
לזהות, נגיד, שזה דמות של בן אדם. אני רואה צלליות, אני יכולה לזהות מה צלליות. בעין אחת. כאילו זה בן אדם או כלב או... בדיוק. לא יודעת אם זה כלב, אבל זה משהו שהולך על ארבע, כן. כן, אוקיי. She said that at first she couldn't see anything, and now she see like silhouettes. She can see like if maybe there's a person standing, or maybe it's a car, or something that goes on four, but she can't identify or see anything beyond the silhouettes. וואו. And the other eye, the left eye, is also affected. You see less on the left eye? In the second eye, there was a decrease, but now it changed to my eyes. She said to me not to put my eyes. Yes, to strengthen the second eye. At first, she was losing the sight, but her doctor told her not to wear Uh, the glasses in order to strength to to make the eye stronger and it, it, it's it's working now it's getting a little bit better and better so hopefully and are you still experiencing <laughs> the fatigue <laughs> okay she said but still like if she's driving she doesn't have the perspective of the right side she has only the the left side and when um, And besides that, you still experience the fatigue. סליחה.אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
לא נראה לי נורמלי לדחוף לאף, לעמוד בתורים, ל-PCR וכאלה. עשיתי את זה חודש ואחר כך הפסקתי עם זה. אוקיי. בינתיים. אוקיי. Of course, they want her to take the booster, but she said, no way. I want to do it. She was willing. She said, if they will fire me, they will fire me. I'm not taking the third shot. And at first, they also uh, um, um, was demanding from her to take the PCR test. She did it uh, around a month, but it didn't make sense to her to shove these sticks to their nose and to stand in line to make the... So she also quit doing that. <laughs> Basically, she's not supposed to speak about it, but okay. it's all the one. Yes, but uh, uh, for now, she's still, she's still working. But she, she said after what she, she's been through, um, she's not willing to do that anymore. And I just want to add something that she told me when she, she was uh, giving the interview the testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to what she knows from her profession, She said that what she experienced in the, after the first shot, it's like um, a short uh, passing um, stroke. They, it, it, they know about it in the, you know, in the medical uh, literature. It happens. It's something that, it, but it's very difficult to, uh, to dictate, to, 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 to know that this is it because it's short and it's passing by and It looks like nothing is uh, remaining afterwards, but there is. So this yeah. is, at, at, from the beginning, what's the uh, professional, how do you call it? T-A-A. T-A-A. T-A-A? T-A-A, it's the professional uh, term for this. Um, um, Maybe stroke. also could also be like a little bit of an eye infarct, or so we don't know. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. And there, there are three uh, ladies from uh, Potsdam, like outside of Berlin, got in touch with us and want to uh, give testimony also that they have actually experienced something very similar. So they lost uh, their sight um, to some extent and like one of them, I think, completely or like at least in one eye. Um, for uh, after the vaccination so it seems to be like some somewhat of a common problem so like yes actually Shulamit came to me after I published another testimony right before of a young man I think he was in his 40s that after the booster 37 hours after the booster he got like a, a they call it like a, a stroke in the eye that the, the eye didn't get the blood stream and didn't get the oxygen and he is completely blind in his right uh, eye and the, every time I publish a testimony uh, about a new uh, kind of side effect I get uh, people coming to me reaching out to me to say hey the same happened to me and she was the first after him to take uh, and give the testimony and I think a few weeks later I shot another testimony of another woman also she lost in her two eyes mm-hmm. and um, but her stage also uh, much much worse neurological uh, problems and yes well I think it's very important that you like the other people also from the from your testimony project that they that you give really um, that you talk about these things because that's going to inspire others to come forward and then also there can be research done at least but of course I mean these uh, shots need to be stopped. clearly that's uh, that's too dangerous and we can see that more and more evidence is piling up of uh, what's going on um, 
since we're running a little late, we started okay. later, I think we should now maybe okay. take a look at it. Uh, thanks so much for having you, had the, the courage to talk to us like, and uh, hopefully inspired others to look closer at these. Also the causality of what's going on, because a lot of people are still in denial and they see they have a side effect or something happening uh, with their health after the vaccination, but they still are not willing to make the connection. And it's so important that we do that. Yes. That's what we're here for. Thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> now, I think um, we have in the um, Zoom, there should be an, um, an attorney at law from Israel. His name is uh, Golan Eshton. Are you here with us? Yes, I'm here with you. Have a nice day. After, good afternoon. <laughs> Hello. Nice to see you. Um, yeah, so maybe can you tell us, uh, you have done a human rights attorney and you are specialized in civil law and labor law. And you have in this um, uh, quality, you have worked on uh, legal cases here or like have consulted, I, th I think with a, uh, with a bigger company and have had some success at least from saving people to get vaccinated. Maybe could you elaborate on that? No problem. First of all, I would like to refer to the information that there was a big chaos in here from the beginning of March 2020 and the beginning of the vaccinations because what was ruling in Israel is that the government uh, forced the people to take injections. So they start to fire people from the jobs. They uh, ask them and require them to do two injections, two tests in a week or three tests. Now, when it got to the courts, the labor law court said in Israel in the beginning that they allowed people to choose if to take the vaccine or to take the test. So what really happened is that they give no options to the workers. So they have to take a part of this tyranny and this uh, breaching of any kind of civil rights because they say to the worker, you want to earn money and keep your economy, we shall force you. I call it a determination of rape, civil rape, because they have given no really liberations of liberations to be able to analyze these vaccines, to check the side effects, to be aware of the information and knowledge. They say to them, take it or you shall be fired. So the court defended them. And the most horrible uh, verdict was from the Supreme Court of Israel uh, in uh, September 2020. It's called the, the Bagat Stav Yarok. In this judgment, the Supreme Court of Israel say that it is allowed to discriminate people to not allow them to go to the malls, to the supermarket, to movies, to theater, to cinemas, to restaurants, if they don't have the green passport, means give declaration that you have vaccinated yourself or you have made tests, shoved to your, your, to your nose or to your mouth or God knows where those PCR tests that uh, have no effect of nothing. So the real truth is that there is no defense in the courts, in the labor law zone, in the civil law zone in Israel. But what we can, what we could have learned to do is to attack them by side. What do I mean? What I have done and so many lawyers that cooperated with me, we, because the regulation was so no um, reasonable and each office contradict the other office, what we started to do is to uh, attack them with letters and for asking for compensation, for asking for explanation, for asking for seeing regulations. And when we attacked them, they didn't know how to answer us because 
For example, some hospital says to me, if you're not vaccinated, you will not get medical care. So I say to them, but there is a regular terms of the minister as that says also the Supreme Court that the only matter you cannot discriminate is upon the medical care. So when you make them to be confused and make them to be fight upon the regulation of each other, the government said like this, the health minister says like this, the internal officers like this, and everyone has so many regulations, they cannot find their legs and their hands, then somehow you can find a way to give people the help and their assistance. I had uh, three cases of people who needed to take care or uh, to, uh, to be given medical care in hospitals, which the hospitals did not allow them uh, to take this care without a vaccination or test. And after we wrote a letter and we made a lot of mess, and I promised them that we would take this communication, not to Israel, to the global communications, to know how Israel take care upon the civil rights of the Jewish people in the nation of Israel. Then somehow they gave her all the tests and all the medical care that she needed. So unfortunately, even though I am aware of to all of the verdicts upon the world, in Israel, I have no such a claim to say to you because there is no one verdict that says that this uh, vaccines, injections, I don't like to call it vaccines, injections are not allowed. No one judge in Israel said, can we see any kind of information, side effects? Because you know, in Germany, in England, in the United States, when people uh, took these injections, they have to sign, to sign upon um, uh, information that they aware upon the side effects. In Israel, no one ask the people to sign upon awareness of side effects. And when there is side effects, as before the woman that interviewed, they have got no way to get compensation because the government says it's not us. The health minister says it's not because of the vaccine. And all the doctors cooperate with this scam. So people left with no rescue at all, you understand? They forced people, the systems, the legal system did not protect them. And now when there are damages, no one willing to compensate. Do you understand the absurd? This is ironic. This is catastrophe. Do you have access to all the information that the world now has, meaning there is no necessity for the vaccines because there is no pandemic, only a PCR test pandemic. Also, there are alternative or real methods of treatment, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, uh, zinc, uh, vitamin C, vitamin D. Plus, despite the fact that there's no necessity for these uh, so-called vaccines, they're still using them, but they are not effective at all. The whole world is looking at Israel and the UK because you are two of the most vaccinated countries. And 92% of all the people who are hospitalized with COVID symptoms have been twice vaccinated or even boosted. Uh, plus, this is not safe because we can see, for example, a, um, a German case that was just lost before the highest administrative uh, law court here in Germany found that uh, among the military, after the start of the so-called vaccines, um, illnesses shot up, illnesses that needed to be treated, shot up by 4,000%. Are you aware of these things? Are people in Israel aware that there's no necessity, they're not effective, and they're extremely dangerous? I, I, you ask a very excellent and amazing question because one of the major problems in Israel is, and that's what we're doing it, and I'm doing it for 
a lot of the two years all abroad and also in Israel because the people in Israel are asleep. They do not understand what you say. You know, you say something now that is very important because before two weeks, they also, the only they approved these vaccines, these injections to babies. To babies, do you understand me? Babies are now allowed to take in Israel injections. These injections that make so many side effects, so many strokes, so many heart attacks. Now the health minister of Israel, the office minister, of the uh, health office of Israel says, to give it to your babies. Babies. So if you ask me, are the people awake and aware? When I tell them upon the verdict of Ireland, Germany, New York, Portugal and Spain, they all say to me, no, I trust the government of Israel. Whatever they give me, I will take, and they take it. Even today, they have published that the sponsor of the coronavirus said that on October, we believe there will be another attack of the coronavirus. So they advise to take now the injections now in the summer. So you understand, you can speak to the people as much as you want, but they do not aware and believe that this is a scam and this is the problem. This is the problem. I say to the people, you see young people dying in the streets. The sirens of ambulance do not, do not stop. Do not stop. People, young people die from stroke and heart attack from day to, from dawn to night. And they say to me, this is the circumstances thing. This is not something new. All the time people die. So this is the most difficult problem in the land of Israel to awake the people because the Cinderella or Snow White, the sleeping people are in here in this nation. It's very, very difficult. And when I say to you difficult, I'm not speaking upon only the common people. You cannot talk to lawyers. You cannot talk to doctors. You cannot talk to engineers. You cannot talk to no one. They do not want to listen and to be awakened. From them, if the government says you have to take seven, eight injections, they will take. Most of the elderly people took five injections. Five, I speak upon five, and if there will be six, they will pay, take even 6,000. So I have paid for Israel, the people do not understand. But David Tal, I think you told me that um, the, uh, the rate of the uptake has been much uh, slower now. Yes. So you, the, for the first vaccine and second and maybe even third, there was still a lot of people, but now it's kind of dying down the interest. Is that right? Uh, yes. As far as I see, I see a decline and that it it's coming, uh, the numbers are getting lower and lower, but it depends where also, because you have some kind of cities that the majority of the people will, uh, like Golan says, they will keep on, especially intellectual and uh, yeah. high economic uh, social uh, uh, societies, they will go, like he said, they, they said on, an, on the news to go and take the, the, the other vaccine, they will go and take it. Uh, but I think all, all in all, if you look at the numbers, um, I say approximately the the first two shots. I think around six and a half million people. I think uh, took it out of nine point three million people in Israel, and I think that the fourth one. I'm not talking about the fifth, but the fourth one. I think less than a million. So it's coming down, but it's also going with correlation to the green passport and the mandates because the majority of the people in Israel 
they took it and they say out loud that they took it because they want to go everywhere they want to fly they want to go to their uh, the theater they, they want to be free they want to be able to do whatever they want not because of medical reasons so once the obligations are off of course they will not go and vaccinate but we have to see if they will if return. there will be avital if there will be obligations will they be. will run and take all the injections don't be even don't have doubt upon it this is uh, this is what we've seen, and uh, for example, there is a city in Israel called the Modin, Maccabim Road, Modin. Uh, this is the the percent of the people who are vaccinated in this city is above uh, 98.7% of the people, and the number of the six people, the sick people of coronavirus, is the number of the highest of all. Now, when you talk about the details of the UK and Israel, we have seen the researchers or the researchers shows that those the nations that have been most vaccinated are the most sick nations. So on the contrary, it seems to be that those who haven't been vaccinated so much, their immunity system was so strong to deal with this virus by its own, yes. by its own. But those who take the injection are sick and sick and it never hands. Something maybe hurt the immunity system, maybe goes to other damages, but the Statistics show that those who are injected are sick, and those cities who are injected the most are the most, there are most people sick in there, and so are about nations. And it's not by mistake, if I'm wrong, you can correct me, that Israel is on the top of the sick, of the sick people of the COVID-19 in the world. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Gulan, um, are you aware of the fact that... Um... It's not just the most um, vaccinated country, uh, among them, of course, Israel and the UK, which uh, the most vaccinated countries that uh, have the highest rate of hospitalized uh, patients. But are you also aware of the fact that this is, are Israelis aware of the fact that this is a man-made virus? It was man-made by way of gain-of-function experiments. Americans, Germans, and Israelis, and others, of course, were involved in this. Are people in Israel aware of this? The people are aware of this, but they call this words of yours, conspiracy. Ah. It's like illusion, okay. fantasy, it's a lie. There's a lot of explanation. Before a lot, because there was a committee in Davos, everything was planned in 2018. This is an engineered, I call it a biologic attack upon human, a human being, biological war. But people say to me, are you crazy? Shall the nation attack us? Shall the rich people will try to destroy us? I say the proper, the purpose of this is to reduce pollution. Since this injection, they are reducing pollution. The number of deaths are increasing. The number of newborn is, is down. And the number of uh, abortions and, death, uh, and, and lack of ability to get pregnancy is higher and higher and higher. So all you cannot look upon the facts and you can deny them. Or can you say the truth to yourself? Maybe it's very difficult to say the truth, but this is not real disease. This is disease that was designed. And unfortunately, about this, I have also bad news because the majority of Israel believe this is the kind of a disease that came from nowhere. And we were saved not by Moses and God, but by the uh, uh, Pfizer, Moderna, Extrazanka, <laughs> and all of those firms that are the new God of the world. Here's another conspiracy theory. Um, I hope our uh, 
technical department is able to show this. Um, uh, in the United States, a group of, um, of uh, undertakers have come forward and are saying that since the beginning of the so-called vaccinations of children, uh, that's in December of 21, about a year after the actual vaccination, so-called vaccinations of grown-ups started, there has been a demand, uh, a rise in demand for children's coffins, caskets, by 400%. Can you please show this to us? 400% Anstieg in Kindersärgen nachfragen. Um, and it, it it sounds if you don't if you don't know the background of this it sounds like a conspiracy theory but if you look at what the um, what the undertakers are posting it doesn't look so conspiratorial anymore. Könnt ihr das bitte? Da ist es. Yeah. See this? My family owns a casket manufacturing plant. I've said this publicly many times. We make coffins. Yesterday, my cousin received a request for a bulk order of under five foot caskets. Never has that ever happened in 37 plus years. For you idiots, those are children sized coffins. The next, uh, the next uh, 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 post reads, for your information to anybody who's paying attention to what I say, my family received another bulk casket order for youth sized coffins. That marks the second ever bulk order in almost 50 years, both of which were placed in the last seven months. Vaccines are killing ch children. If not, what is? And we know this is the, these numbers. I don't know where that slide went, but uh, the numbers went up 400 percent, 400 percent. The German military just reported, as I said, after the start of the so-called vaccinations, um, on an increase in illnesses that needed to be treated, not just a headache or something, by 4,000%. These are not conspiracy theories. No, this is real. Wolfgang, do you have an oversight of the um, the studies that have maybe come out lately with regards to what's, or like the statistics that we see something that's uh, become more, um, you know, is, is tangible already? I mean, I, I had the information, I think I mentioned this in a, in a, a different session that from some um, Eastern German um, hospital uh, that there was a lot of um, miscarriages going on and like a 15% decline in that area on births or successful like living births basically. So Wolfgang, do you have any further information? I got uh, several informations about that, about infertility warnings. And this, they were they were told. I was told numbers about fifteen to twenty five percent from different countries, but I don't have this at hand now. I I don't have the I cannot cite it because uh, I don't have the data now here. But I remember there were four or five such messages from different countries coming, and from fertility centers. Uh, we had such a news such news before when we started already. And uh, I, it seems to get more. And uh, I want to I want to remind uh, you that uh, we know that uh, Corona is not a problem for children; has never been. And uh, there were no children. Uh, if you see the data, whether children got ill from some some coronavirus, whichever doesn't matter which one. Children were not uh, attacked by coronavirus. They had normal flu as ever. And there were less people going to the doctor 
because of, uh, of uh, illness symptoms of, of acute respiratory diseases in the time of Corona 2020, 2021. So children were really not at risk. So it's a big, big nonsense to, to give children these injections and to change them genetically to produce that spike, toxic spike proteins. This is what is to be done, what is going to be done, and it's a crime. And the fertility, we know we have several uh, theories. There are several theories how this could happen. And um, I, we, we had this with, with Mike Eden, that was the first one, but we, know also, we also know that there are those effects with thrombosis and there are other effects that genetic, that uh, our cells are genetically modified so that they don't function well. This also might happen with, uh, with, the, with the cells of, of the ovaria and of the, of the testes so that uh, there is infertility with the parents who want to have children. So we, there are many, many reasons, as there are many, many reasons with all the other diseases that come with those injections because we don't know the targets. We don't know where the stuff goes. We don't know exactly how long it stays. Now we, we learn that this, those uh, genetically modif just genetic modifications stay at least five months. Now we know that the, uh, the spikes are, are, are shedded by exosomes. And we, we, have so many, we have so many new informations and that get, it's get, it gets more and more, and it seems that it's a very, very serious problem. And it may become also a serious problem for those people who have close, close contacts, vaccinated people who are not vaccinated themselves, who don't, didn't get the jab themselves. So maybe the shedding problem will be very serious. And we know that children now, there are more than 500 cases worldwide of hepatitis, which is an, which an autoimmune disease in this in those cases there were no hepatitis viruses the children were got a destroyed liver and we we want to know whether there was shedding from mother or father and it is not even examined so there is a, there is a big risk for children which arose first when when those jabs were were given to to the parents and given to the children now it's very there was no risk before children are at risk after this action of, of, of spreading the mRNA into, into all the people. Um, Avital, in this context, I think you told us, told me um, yesterday that there was a, a lady who wanted to get pregnant and had some examination before, um, before she took the jab. Maybe could you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, there was a lady who uh, shot testimony uh, um, to the project. And at the time of the testimony, she just reported about having a vaginal bleeding. Um, but uh, a few weeks ago, I spoke to her and she said, you know, I have a fertility damage from the so-called vaccine. And I told her, how, I asked her, how do you know? She told me that uh, prior to the vaccine, she took a test to see uh, how much uh, eggs uh, does she have if because she wanted to, she was thinking about getting pregnant and everything was normal okay and after she got the vaginal bleeding she was um, starting to be afraid that maybe she was damaged in some way so a month after the vaccine she took again this test and this time they told her listen you have a great problem you don't have enough eggs, and now she's going through fertility treatments, trying to 
get pregnant. So she has a test in a, um, a, a two months uh, far from the first one to the other one. The first one was perfectly okay. The second one, she has fertility problem. I think this is an observation that should be published by the doctors who observed it. It's a very important observation. I know, but they, they are not willing to speak. They are not willing the to doctor, speak. The doctors of Israel are not publishing most of them, nothing. Most of them are silent. Most of them keep the silent, the right to be silent for all of their crimes. And the fewer that speaks, speaks in, uh, in quietness. Um, there is, I don't know what is happening in the world, but in Israel, the majority of the doctors cooperate with the system and, with, and they hide the information. In, if you go and speak to the people inside the hospitals, they will tell you what you know, what you say. But outside, no one will speak upon this, well, no one will publish this information, no one will try to save other people's lives. For me, there are criminals like those who have cooperated with this, because you cannot be silent. They know the side effects, they know the consequences, they risk the life of children, babies, pregnant women, and they choose to be silent because they're afraid to lose their jobs. So it's better to lose these jobs because there is nothing in the hospitals and the uh, health minister, at least upon in Israel, because to hurt people, to make people sick, and you, you don't speak upon, but how many people suffer from this injection, from illness from the heart, madness and depression, and uh, they need to take pills all the time. And everyone is so silent in Israel. This is very beautiful in here. All the health minister, all the hospitals and all the doctors and all the professors, most of them just sit and let them let it go through them, bypass them. They just say the consequences we know, but the, the future will judge us. You know, do you, have an, do you have an initiative of doctors who is who's against this, who is speaking up? Do you have an initiative? Yes, we have, we have, I don't, I don't I, we have few doctors few doctors that fight and say the truth and preach the, the truth and speak upon the consequences. Uh, but the most, the majority do not speak. And I, I will tell you even more, the, if some of those doctors will try to get interview on, this, uh, on the mainstream channels and to say, you know, this is your opinion, but this is my opinion, because, you know, upon science, upon, uh, upon medicine and injections, as more as you have opinions, more you can doubt and see what is better for the people. In I don't know what it's in your nation, but in Israel, there is no other opinion. If you say something against this injection, you're conspirator, conspirator you're a liar, you are a, you are a criminal, you're against the system, and they try to shut your, shut your mouth, not, the, the, the voice of you and the truth shall not be heard. So even if there are good doctors that speak, and say some uh, criticize the systems and these injections, the channels and the, the doctors, other doctors, just kill them, kill them, make upon them nonsense, make upon them like to look like they're full people, humiliate them. This is how it goes. That's how. This is why you don't have criticism upon this uh, kind of medical taking care of injections. This is kind of lie cannot be stopped because no one let our other people say the truth. And this is why people like you and me will not be in the mainstream on the channels of the TVs because no one wants to hear the truth, because no one wants the, the side effects to be known to the world, that people should be awakened and be uh, underlined that they have been deceived for two years. And if they will not be awakened up, maybe there will not be two years, more two years for them.
But you know, then again, like the experience now that I've had here in Israel, I've been here like for, since Sunday, um, and uh, in, in completely random uh, context, you know, not related with like activists or so, I spoke to a variety of people, and strangely, um, they are, some of them, uh, you know, like were, I mean, all of them basically were really aware what was going on and like one lady she took like uh, two uh, shots but she said she doesn't want to do it anymore her husband is unvaccinated and like i in this area of the you know like the basically the, the flea market area in tel aviv you know i spoke to several people and there was also uh, people saying uh, you know um yeah we we didn't get the shot my wife i didn't get it my wife didn't get it and another person who's very much aware of um, you know he's uh, has been aware for a long time of corruption going on in in general you know all around the world in politics and so on and this person was not 100% aware of what was going on with corona but like very uh, suspicious you know of, of the whole story so i think there's a great potential here you know but people just have to be exposed to the truth and i see yes. a lot of activism also going on i mean there's a newspaper and there's uh, other things, you know, a lot of activism. Yes. The, the, the activism is working very nice, but you have to understand the only way to judge the people of Israel is if they will give another uh, the green passport again. If they will say to them, you will not go to your jobs, you will not go to your cinemas and to your restaurants. I believe if they will put such kind of boundaries upon them, they will take the injections. So this is what I'm speaking upon, but you have got no awareness of what are the side effects. Now they're aware because amazing Vital made amazing movie upon all those who have been hurt from these injections and all the side effects, like the people you interviewed before. But this is not enough because you can judge a nation upon the strength of the will of the spirit. If you are strong enough to go against your nation and say, you will not discriminate me, not by your restaurants, not by flying aboard. I don't give a damn if, if you close my TV, I will not take this poison into my body. It's okay. But now these days, you cannot tell me that people of Israel do not take the injection. They do not take because no one say to them, if you will not take, we will not let you do A, B, C, D. Okay, now everything is free. We are now in uh, the time of uh, one year and here there is election as well. So, when there is freedom, so people will not take and they will listen to you and me. But if you will tell them you will be fired from your job or you will not be allowed to get to your restaurant or to go to bus, then I want to see if they will not take the injections because if they will not take, then you are right. They have awareness and awakeness and understanding of what are the side effects of this poison. But as long as there will be instructions and they will cooperate with this, nothing has changed. But that's the, that's the same all around the world. It's been a you know it's been a major problem, and I mean it's the psychological dynamic the, the you know dynamics that are also going on. I would like to know um, you have you um, you uh, here have the information that you um, got a group of about three hundred workers of a military industrial company to successfully stand up against the COVID uh, um, the vaccination yes. mandate. This is what I, I spoken before that I said there is no success in the courts. But the success comes when you attack bypass. And what is the meaning to attack bypass? I say to the people that the only way to destroy the, and breach these uh, evil laws, this evil way of hurting democracy and human rights, is to be united. 
So these military units that I have represented, I say to them, we should make strike. We should tell them, we will not take the vaccinate. We should not make no test. You want fire us all. Find yourself new engineers, new war terrorists, new techniques, whatever you want. And when we had the power, and when we had strike, and we had that remained the voice, you will not believe what happened. <coughs> they negotiated with the workers, negotiated, and they even allowed us to build a committee that deals upon the discrimination of coronavirus. And they did not took the corona the injection. They were not fired and no one limited none of them. And I'm speaking to you a place that is connected to the government of Israel. This is not a private place. So this, what I have spoken for the last two years to the people of Israel, I don't need courts and I don't need no judgment of any judge to tell me what are my human rights. My freedom and my human rights come from God and God only, not from judges. And if we want to fight, we can do it together because no factory, not in Italy, not in Germany. You know, in, in Italy, there was amazing protest. One hospital in Bergamo, Bergamo, Bergen, Bergen, no, maybe I said it, it's the name of the city in the north. No, you're right. Bergamo is them, correct. Okay. So to say to them, if you will not take the injection, you cannot walk. All the doctors, nurses, and the techniques went down, went down. And after half an hour, they say, go, go, go back and walk. So this is a test. All of this coronavirus, all of this scam, it's a test of the will of the spirit. As you strong and resist those evil people, you will win. And this is what I have shown to these people in this factory of the uh, Israeli army. Rebel, rebel and be strong and they will give up. And they've given up. They yeah. have given up, and this was all the people of the world must do. Because if this is something that I want to say upon the coronavirus, coronavirus killed distinction, killed discrimination, killed gender, and killed religions. We are one mankind, solid by Holy Spirit, and strong and united. And we all be German, England, French, Italian, United States, stand against them and show them that they can shove the vaccines and we will never be victims and they will not win with their criminals and we will judge them. Maybe there will not no, be this time Nuremberg laws or Nuremberg trials, but there will be trials and people will be judged and people will pay compensation for all what they have done. So if you're Bula, Moderna or Extra Zerna, I don't know who are they, they should be afraid. They should be afraid for the crimes for what they have done to mankind. And Golan, they are well-spoken, Golan, very well-spoken. They are afraid. They're much more afraid of us than we are of them. But here's the thing, when you, people have to understand what's really going on. It's not enough that you think that maybe I'm gonna have to bow to authority. It's important to understand, to see the whole picture. It's important to understand what you mentioned a while ago, that this is about life and death. It's about population reduction. This is no mistake. They're not being acting negligently. They're acting on purpose. Let us take yes. a brief look just so that people understand what I'm talking about. There is another slide about the New World Order. It's both in English and in German. And it spells out exactly where we are and where we're headed right now. 
Können wir das kurz sehen? See this at the bottom, you have the English translation. At the uh, bottom, you have the German translation. It's the New World Order Agenda, the analysis. The first step is destabilization. We've been through that. That's restricting economic freedom, increasing the volume of money, produce conflict, pro promote fear, overregulating of current legal system. That's exactly what we're seeing. Second step is deconstruction. That's where we are right now. Inflation, lower purchasing power, bankruptcies, restriction of economic freedom, suspension of current arrangement systems. And the third step is reconstruction, setting up a new financial system. Then they will pop up and play the savior. Those who are trying to kill us will all of a sudden pop up and play the savior, assume the role as a savior in times of need. Universal ba basic income is what they're going to offer us. Centralization through supranational structures. And the final step is the end result, control over all resources, transfer of personal responsibility and global laws. This is not a conspiracy theory. You can read it in the Great Reset. Yeah. This is not a conspiracy theory. But if people do not understand this, they will not make the right choices. But very well spoken, Golan. You put it, you hit the nail on the head. Thank yeah, you very much. This is the spirit in which I hope and believe the Israeli um, investigative committee here will, uh, will continue the investigation and we'll do everything that we can to get the um, Israeli people here up to speed or like help with the information that we have um, you know, gathered in the last two years. And so they can really like in a very condensed uh, way and, and in case they're not yet, don't have the information yet, um, can yeah, get all the information they need to make an informed choice about their future. And it's really about our future, not only on a, on a, in, in the health sector, but really on life, how we want to live it. And I think um, this is the, the spirit. We must com connect and will connect like on a human level. And Kulan, what you said, that these people, like just 300 people getting together and saying we're not playing along, uh, do you know that's enough to stop this whole thing? Like in yes, a yes, I will tell you something. I don't think it's only about the 300 people in Israel. You know, the 300 reminds me the movie of Gerard Butler, the 300. <laughs> All the 300 stood strongly against the Babylon Imperium. And this is not only a movie, this is the spirit. Now believe, think to yourself that not only the 300 of Israel, but two billion, three billion people in the world will cooperate with this. Because I told, I will, must tell you, I have seen amazing things happen in England, in Germany, in Italy, in France, in Spain, in Brazil. When I saw millions of people marching on the streets and protesting against this evilness. And believe me, you don't understand how the presidents and the rich people of the world are afraid of this. Because when they see us united, they're afraid. All of their scams is to divide us, to create separation, to lock us. What was the purpose of quarantine? That we should be located, that we should have no connection. We should not be able to think, but to be afraid that we should be saved by our arms and hide underneath our blankets. But when this crapshit has collapsed, now it's time to get united. They will not win. I've got bad news for them. They will not win. <laughs> and all of this economy crisis, all of these wars, they will not win. There is one above, strong God, and he will win as always. And we, as human beings, must be collided 
in all voices to speak and fight against them because what we are doing, all of us, in all of a nation is working because people listen, people follow. And if we every day wake up one person in the world, it saves its consideration of saving the whole world. There is a sentence in Hebrew, if you save one soul, it's like you saved all the souls. And this is our purpose, to be the light of God, to be the light of the world. It's not, it's, it's not easy, it's very difficult, but it's better to be a light than to be led into the darkness. That's again very well said, <laughs> you know, but I would like to um, then again point out, you know, I mean, this like marching in the street, like demonstration, I think that is one thing, you know, and these large demonstrations that have not, uh, they maybe they stopped something, but what we saw also in, in Germany as being like very uh, effective is that people took to the street, but sort of like in this seemingly like, uh, you know, disorganized way. So every Monday, they would meet in the village and just walk. It was like in the beginning, it was like 10 people, then it was like 100 and it was like 500 and so on. Now it's died down a little bit during the summer because they let loose um, a little bit with the, with the restrictions. But I'm sure once they play the, oh, there's another wave of the virus um, uh, sound again, you know, people are going to take back to the streets. And I think that is very good because it was like very uncontrollable for them. It was like 2000 cities in Germany alone where people did this like every Monday. And it was also a great place for them to unite and for, pe for people, you know, for people who have understood what's going on to talk to people who are maybe just fed up of the vaccine or, you know, have other topics and, and don't have see the full picture now. And I think it's really important that we see the, you know, the, the value of one individual who, as you said, maybe talks to another person and gets him, him or her convinced to do something or just not to play along. But also these things that like, maybe like 10 people in a, in a, um, you know, in a restaurant say we're not playing along, you know, so it's, I think this, this like uniting on a very local level, you know, and like small groups and not only think, oh, we need to be like 10 million now walking on the street and then it's going to change something. I think it's this like resistance here and there and there, you know, that's also a lot of things. Um, I, I would, I would like to I would like to explain something. This issue is not local, it's global. Of course it's global. So if we are not united in the global matters, maybe as you said in the local places to be united, but if it's not work upon all the global, it will have no effect because we have to destroy all the cells of the cancer. They are cancer, these rich people. Those governments are cancer. And we shall not destroy this cancer. So we will destroy one cell, they will get into another cell. So we have to clean all the cells. It means all of our nations, all of our nations, all the people must be awakened. And we must preach this word and we must show them the, the numbers and the details and to show how they have risked and hurt human being life how they have been given injections that have been more than less than medicine, but more than poison, how they sacrificed people on the altar of whom, on the altar of whom, who are they to decide what is the number of population in the world? Are Gulen, they God? Gulen, they're crazy psychopaths. We know this. And you know what? Um, the way that Vivian meant it is we have to start on a local level because that's where we are the strongest. And then we have to connect.
have one community, local, regional community connect with another and another and another internationally, because all it takes, that's what they say, all it takes is a few good men or women, a few good men or women. As long as we have people like you with your spirit, I'm not really worried, you know, you're right, we're going to win, of course we will, and they're going to be I, taken. I would, I would like to remind you that there was a man in Israel before 2000 years ago, they call you call him Jesus, his name is Yeshua. And he was a very, 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 very unlike man who said the truth. And let's leave religions aside. He said the truth upon the people. And he collided something that creates something that we must, must renew. Love and freedom and peace to all nations. And that's what we all deserve to be happy. We all deserve to live a decent life. And our death and our life depends upon someone superior than us and not upon those psycho and crazy people. And as you said, if we should establish local communities in our lands and nations and cities, we will become the light of the world and we will win and we will let this cancer be seized. Thank you. Thank you, Golan. And I think I should thank all of you, Avitai and Ilana and Shuleman. I'm sorry, I mis mispronounced your name, uh, Shulamit. Uh, yes. And Dr. Yafa Shiraz, thank you very, very much. This is uh, very inspiring, Golan. Let's go into battle together. We'll win this. <laughs> I'm taking my casket, my spear, and my helmet is ready. Just call me and I am in the battle. Okay, great. <laughs> Those, this is exactly what the Texans told me when I was there. Just tell me where to go. I'm going to wear my Stetson, my boots, and I have my Winchester with me. So um, I'm not worried. But we do have to we do have to stay strong. We should we shall not panic, uh, but we have to stay poised, keep our um, keep our temper. Don't um, don't try to cause um, or to burst into violence because that is what they want us to do. We have to keep stay cool head, headed, level headed. Peace and love. That's all. Very Peace good. and love and communication. No violence. Nothing. We will not be violated. Because if they will be violent, they will arrest us and kill us. Exactly. We will not be violent. No violence. No. No, no violence. So before the, we leave the Israeli section, I think we've come to an end of the Israeli section for now. Like Ilana and, and Jaffa, are you still there? Would you like to make one closing statement for this part? I don't know. Maybe they I think have... we lost them. Oh, I think we lost them. Okay, <laughs> so let's them. move ahead. We have, um, they will be with us. So it's going to start the, the proper um, uh, committee here in Israel is going to start on Monday 29th, I believe. We hope so. Yeah, it will be on Mondays, basically. Uh, yes, we're getting everything uh, ready for that. Very excited. So I'm excited to, yeah. to see this, this new mushroom or whatever, like uh, this crystallation point uh, come to fruition. So um, now we have um, an attorney, attorney at law, uh, Bobby and uh, Flower Cox here with us from New York. And she has some very interesting news, I believe. Um, are you with us? Yes. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yes. we can hear you. We can't wait to hear you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Reiner. <laughs> I know you have great, uh, I've read the verdict, uh, the decision rather, and I know this is something that the whole world wants to see, just like the uh, decision that came down in Italy, which we're going to uh, uh, find out about in, uh, in about an hour or so. But uh, this is so important because you went up against the Department of Healthcare 
uh, Department of Health, rather, and uh, and the governor, right? Yes, Kathy the governor Hochul. of New York State. Yeah. Okay. So what happened? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I am here in New York State. Uh, I've been an attorney here in New York for almost 25 years practicing law. And um, basically, the, the regulation that I, I sued over um, was, it's called um, isolation and quarantine procedures. And uh, that was a, a regulation. It was not a law. It was a regulation that was promulgated by the governor through the Department of Health. So um, just so everybody has a, a little bit of an idea how, how the govern, government works here in New York and the United States, we have three branches of government. We have the judicial branch, which is our courts and our judges. And then we have the executive branch, which is at the state level, that would be the governor and her departments or agencies. Um, and then we have the legislative branch, which is the lawmaking body. Those are the senators and the assemblymen. So what happened here was, um, you know, our constitution is very clear. It says that laws are made by the legislature. That's our senators, our elected senators and our elected assembly members. Law is not made by the executive branch where the governor sits and where the Department of Health sits. And what they did with this regulation is, you know, they, they were calling it a regulation, but in fact, it, it was a law. Um, and I say that because there was no direction from the legislature for them to make this regulation. So an agency in the executive branch under the governor has to have a directive from the legislature to do something. Right. And if you think about it, it's logical because uh, people that work for an agency, in this case, the Department of Health, they are not elected. They are just appointed. So the governor appoints the commissioner of the health department and then everybody that works in that health department or, or really any department under the executive branch, those are all just hired government employees. So you don't want to give power to people that are not elected by the people to make laws that would severely affect everybody's everyday life. So what happened was they made this regulation, they had no direct no directive from the legislature to make this regulation and it, it was it was atrocious. I, I will explain it briefly. The regulation told um, the, the commissioner of health and whoever she appointed that she could pick and choose which New Yorkers, to lock up, either lock them in their home or pull them from their home and put them into a facility, a quarantine facility that the Department of Health got to choose where you went. The Department of Health got to choose how long you stayed there. The Department of Health didn't have to prove that you had a communicable disease. They just had to think, well, we suspect maybe you were exposed to a communicable disease. So we're going to make you quarantine. We're going to force you to go into isolation. You couldn't try to negotiate your way out of it. There was no provision in that regulation that said, you know, you, you could test out of it, right? So if they said, well, we think you have tuberculosis or we think you have COVID-19, you couldn't say, well, wait a minute, I'll take a test. I'll prove that I don't have that disease. You can't lock me up because I don't even have that disease. No, there was no protection at all in this regulation for the people. So um, 
there was also no, no age restriction. So they could do this to you. They could do this to your child. They could do this to your, you know, seven-year-old grandchild or your elderly grandparent. I mean, there was just no restriction at all. Um, and they also wrote into the regulation that it didn't need to be an emergency for them to use this power. And they could use local law enforcement to help them execute their orders of quarantine. So you could literally get a knock at the door and it could be the, the sheriff or the police saying, oh, sorry, you have to come with us because you know, we have this order from the Department of Health. Um, it, it was, the regulation was not only a violation of our constitution because it violated separation of powers, it was also a violation of existing New York state law. So we already have a law in New York state, which we've had for decades, like 60, 70 years, which it says you can remove somebody from, from society if they're a health threat, but there are many steps that have to be taken before you can try and remove somebody forcibly and quarantine them. So that law, which has been around for decades, has a lot of due process protections built into it so that the government can't abuse that power, right? That's what due process is. It's protections built into a law or a regulation so that the government actors can't overstep and can't injure the person. So what this regulation was, was the governor, Governor Kathy Hochul and the Department of Health were just giving themselves this brand new power and they were, really going to be able to act like dictators. They were just going to be able to pick and choose whoever they wanted to lock up, lock down. You can imagine what kind of corruption that could lead to if you're giving power, such unbridled power to the Department of Health. They, they didn't have to prove you were sick. So they could really say, well, you know, we, we think maybe you went to a, a political fundraiser and we think somebody at that fundraiser had a communicable disease. So unfortunately, you're going to have to lock down now. I mean, it was just completely unbridled, unrestricted power. It, it breached separation of powers in the Constitution. It breached New York state law. It breached the requirement for due process protections. And so last week, um, Judge Ronald Plotz um, for New York State Supreme Court in Cattaraugus County in New York State, uh, he ruled in our favor. He heard all the arguments, he read all the papers, um, and he said, um, you know, after careful consideration of everything, he shot that down. He said, no, you cannot do this. This is a breach of separation of powers. It's unconstitutional. Um, it violates existing New York State law, which is been on the books for decades, um, and you can't do this. So he he determined it unconstitutional. It's null, it's void, it's not enforceable. Um, and he prohibited them from trying to reintroduce this because they've been doing this for almost a year now, uh, Governor Hochul has, and, and Governor Cuomo was doing it before her. Um, but for almost a year, she's been promulgating this regulation as an emergency regulation and they were planning to make it permanent. So, um, so he struck that down. He said they cannot do it, uh, which was a, a fantastic decision. And um, now just, just the other day, um, you know, the governor has announced that, well, she wants to appeal the decision. You know, now she wants to take it to the next court and try and get it overturned 
by the next court, which is it, it's shameful. It's absolutely shameful that she would even try to overturn this decision because it is so solidly unconstitutional what they've done. And, and what is she telling the people of New York? She's telling the people of New York, as is the attorney general, Letitia James, because she represents the governor, they're telling the people of New York that they don't care about your constitutional rights. They don't care about your liberties. They don't care about following proper procedures and law, that they just wanna do whatever that they wanna do whenever they wanna do it to the detriment of the people without any sort of protections for the people. Um, so guess what, everybody here in New York, um, Letitia James, the attorney general is up for election in November. And so is Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York. She wants to be governor again. So she's running for election in November. So I think everybody here in New York needs to wake up, smell the coffee and, um, and vote these people out of office. This is an absolute atrocious show of tyranny. Um, and, the, and the court has struck it down. So we were, we were very pleased with the results um, by, jo by Judge Ronald Plotz. Is the, are the mainstream media reporting on this? Are they, is this any, is there a message that reaches the general population? It's not being highly reported. You know, the governor wants to hide this as much as possible, mm -hmm. uh, as does the attorney general, because like I said, they're up for election in November. So do you really think that they want to be parading around, uh, you know, mainstream media telling people that they're going to try and overthrow this, this court decision because they, they want quarantine camps? You know, I mean, they're going to sweep this, they're going to continue to sweep this under the rug as much as possible. So no, the mainstream media is not picking it up. You know, there's local uh, media picking it up, local radio stations, um, some local newspapers, um, you know, there are some online, um, there are a lot of podcasters that are picking it up. The New York Post did do an online story about it yesterday, um, um, as did the Epic uh, Times did an online story. I believe that was yesterday. Um, so it, it, it's not, it's a little bit being covered in the media, but, but certainly not enough. I mean, New Yorkers need to know this regulation existed. We got, we won, we sued them, we won, we got it struck down. And now, um, you know, this shameful Governor Hochul is, is trying to overturn it. I think the, the whole nation needs to know about this because as you said, uh, if that had uh, gone through, then it might have very well been pushed through in the rest of the country. Um, the thing is, it is so blatantly unconstitutional it's so in your face it's uh it's arbitrary it's there's i mean i can't even find words for this that's probably why they tried to do it uh in the dark more or less and 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 didn't even discuss it in the mainstream media when they first tried to introduce it didn't am i completely mistaken or um do i remember correctly that you said that they 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 had a vote or something and the legislature uh, there, there's only one person uh, in the legislature who was in favor of this, and that's why they bypassed this. Is that correct? Right. So what happened was there was a proposed law, an actual law that um, was proposed by somebody, an assemblyman, in the New York State Legislature. So he tried for seven years to get this law, this proposed law, passed. He first introduced it in 2015 when there was an Ebola issue going on in New York, supposedly. 
And, um, you know, this was his justification, but it was the same language, pretty much, not exactly, but pretty much the same language as this regulation. And there are, if you combine the two houses in New York State Legislature, that would be the Senate and the Assembly. If you combine that, you have over 200 members, 200, over 200 lawmakers here in New York State at the state level. And not one of them, not one of them supported that proposed law. So you only had the bill's sponsor, which was Assemblyman Nick Perry, who's no longer an assemblyman. Um, I understand he was appointed um, to be the Jamaican ambassador by Biden. So that should tell you something. Um, but he was so, people found out about this, um, particularly once, you know, once COVID hit and um, all of these restrictions were going into place in New York and people started reaching out and, and there was such backlash against that proposed law that uh, Assemblyman Perry actually withdrew it in December of last year because he was getting so much pushback from the people. Um, but not one other lawmaker would, would back that. And in fact, a couple of them publicly denounced it. And, and the head of the health committee in the New York State Assembly even said, we're not even, we're not even gonna vote on this. This is not even going on the agenda. Um, and he was also a Democrat, you know, as was Nick Perry. So it was very highly shunned that proposed law. And so what happens? The governor takes pretty much the same language, turns it into a regulation and pushes it through the Department of Health where the people don't have a voice. We don't get to vote for the Department of Health head or anybody that works in the Department of Health. So the people, they just completely went around the back door, um, took the power, usurped the power of the legislators in the New York State Senate and Assembly. And in so doing, they actually shut out the voters' voices because those elected representatives are our voice in the lawmaking process. So yeah, yes, you're right, Reiner. It was, it was a very sneaky way to do it. Um, and just atrociously unethical, I mean, talk about ethics, um, a violation of the Constitution and a violation of, of just basic human rights. I mean, you're, you're gonna go and lock up New Yorkers because maybe somebody in the health department thinks somebody was exposed. They don't have to prove it. There's no evidence, there's no trial, there's nothing. Um, so complete tyranny, complete authoritarianism, and you're right, if this, if this regulation was not struck down, or if now on appeal it gets overturned, this is going to become a new norm, and then other states across the nation are going to say, well, hey, you know, New York is forcibly quarantining their citizens and throwing them into detention camps, you know, why can't we do that? You know, forget due process, who cares about due process, you know? So it's so important that we we shoot down this appeal. It's it's even shameful that she's trying to appeal this. It is. Can I ask you, like with regards to the um, you know since the the elections are coming up, is it a good idea maybe in order to create a better awareness of this whole thing to um, ammunition one of the competitors with this topic, so he can he she can hop on that and say you know this is not going to happen with me. And then if you want that isolation for all you New Yorkers, wait, wait, uh, vote, vote for this person, but I'm not standing for that. So, so yes. I mean, in a, on a, a marketing point of view, so you reach 
get more outreach or like more broad awareness of this kind of this problem. Yes, uh, Vivian, it, that's an excellent point. And, and that's what we are indeed trying to do right now is um, to reach out to, uh, the, so it's Lee Zeldin is currently a congressman here in New York, but he is going to be running against Governor Kathy Hochul um, in November. So he's currently campaigning against her. Um, he's on the Republican ticket. She's on the Democrat ticket. And so, um, yes, we are going to try to give this information to Lee Zeldin, who is opposing Kathy Hochul, um, and hopefully he can help spread the word about this and make it part of his platform, um, because he has come out publicly uh, on his social media to say that he is against forced quarantines like this. He is against this, this regulation, um, and he was pleased when we won the lawsuit last week. So we know that he is on the side of, of the Constitution and the people. So yes, it's an excellent idea. We are trying to help him use that in his platform. And honestly, it can be used by really any, any of the politicians, because this year is also an election year in New York for the New York State Senators and the New York State Assembly members. So all of those 200 something seats are open for reelection. And so those people too should be saying, hey, look at what Governor Hochul and, and Letitia James, the Attorney General are trying to do. They're trying to overthrow this court decision, which is completely just, it's a completely logical and correct court decision. And they're trying to overthrow it. Do you really want these people in power? I mean, th these are not the people we should have in power in New York State. Is there is there anyone uh, behind uh, them who's backing those people up who do such things? Good question. Uh, I was going to ask that. If if someone gets afterwards get gets uh, some post in the government, or we have this rotating uh, these rotating doors, and we we have we know this mechanism of bribing people and of conflicts of interest. But is there an analysis? Is there someone looking where they get the money for the election campaign, or, or who is giving them, who's who's helping them to do such a thing, which is not doesn't even have the majority. They must feel very strong to have someone behind who is strong. Who is those strong people? Or very desperate. Yes. Yes, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know who is funding this atrocious display of tyranny um, at the state level. That is an excellent question as to who is behind this and who is funding this. Um, I definitely know that if we change the if we change the leadership, if we change those top positions, governor of New York State, uh, uh, Letitia James, who is the attorney general of New York State, but especially the governor, if you change that person, right, you remove Kathy Hochul, she loses this election in November because the, hopefully New Yorkers wake up and see what she's doing, which is complete tyranny and, and disregard for the Constitution, then when you have new leader, new leadership at the governor level, that will change a lot of things in New York. Because as I said before, the governor can appoint the people that head up all the agencies underneath the governor. So it's not just the Department of Health, but now the governor can choose, you know, who's running the Department of Education, who's running the Department of Transportation, you know, all those departments that help the government and our society function, the, the heads will be changed. 
when there's a new governor. So the election is crucial right now because we can, you know, and, and what we need to do, the main thing we need to do right now is to spread the word, to get the media, to get as much publicity on this as possible because the governor, and I'm sure Letitia James, the attorney general, just want to sweep this under the rug. You know, they don't want people to know they're fighting back uh, because they want quarantine facilities, right? And, you know, I, I saw an interview, uh, Senator George Borrello is one of the uh, petitioners on the lawsuit. So I'm representing a group of New York state legislators, uh, Senator George Borrello, Assemblyman Chris Teague, and Assemblyman Mike Lawler, together with a citizens group called Uniting New York State. Um, and, you know, we've been doing interviews um, and, and giving press statements the past week since the decision. And, you know, one of the things that that they've been saying is, you know, we have to really educate people on what's going on, because a lot of people don't know about this. And it's scary that they don't know about this, because when things are not when things are done in secret or things are done in the dark of night, all of a sudden you wake up and, and you know, your rights are gone. Uh, you know, and they're quarantining you or they're taking, if you think about it, if you're, if you're in quarantine, another thing this regulation said was that if you're in quarantine, the health department gets to tell you what you can and cannot do. So they could literally take your phone, take any sort of internet access away from you, which means you have no contact with the outside world. They have Guantanamo in New York, huh? I'm sorry. This is Guantanamo in New York. Right, right. I mean, they could take your your right to your livelihood, right? It's, if you can't, it's go arbitrary. To work. It's arbitrary imprisonment without a trial. Yes, yes, it is. It's a hundred percent. It's exactly what it is. And and I heard uh, one reporter um, say a question, Senator George Borrello, in an interview the other day, and he said. Well, don't you, you know, what if there's another emergency? You know, what if there's another health emergency? Don't you want there to be a way for the government to quarantine people who are sick or, or might be exposed? You know, and my answer to that is, of course, everybody wants to be safe. Of course, everybody wants to be healthy, but you have to do it within the, the confines of the constitution and our laws. We already have a law that says how you can quarantine someone if they are a threat to other people. So why don't you take that law and why don't you follow that law? No, they wanted to throw out that law. They wanted to write their own law, which is what they did with this regulation. They wanted to get rid of all any sense of protection and any sense of due process. And they just wanted to be complete and utter dictators. So of course people want to be safe. And that's why we have section 2120 of the public health law, because it tells you how you can remove somebody from society if they are a health threat. But there are a lot of steps you have to go through first, including proving the person has that communicable disease. And then you have to have evidence against them that they are not conducting themselves in a safe manner and you have to show them that evidence and they have the right to an attorney. And then there's a hearing in front of a judge. And, you know, there, there are all these things that have to happen before you can forcibly take somebody's freedom away and, and quarantine them. Um, and under that law, the quarantine is not indefinite, right? The health department doesn't get to pick 
for how many days or weeks or months or years you get locked up. So um, yeah, it, it's it's really, it's shocking that they would even try to yeah. appeal this decision. Yes. It, it, it shows their true colors, it really does. And if you, hearkening back to Wolfgang's question, if you look at the history of this, you just mentioned the name of this uh, assembly person, Nick Perry. He first tried to introduce this as a law in 2015, you said. So this has been going on for seven years. I, I can't believe that he did this on his own. And I can't believe that uh, Kathy Hochul then did this on her own. Somebody must be behind this. And I'm, 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 <laughs> I would venture the guess that it's the same people who are behind the Great Reset because this is what this is all about. Well, this, this is, you know, what we've seen um, in, in the last few years in the United States, particularly with the, all this COVID restrictions and all mm -hmm. this stuff, what we've seen is a true revelation of who is guiding the politicians, mm -hmm. right? The, the biggest lobby, I did a little research on it, the biggest lobbying group that we have in the United States um, at the federal level, like meaning lobbying Congress, our lawmakers at the federal level, um, is the pharmaceutical yeah. companies, right? They spent, um, I think it was two, two years ago, they spent over $300 million in one year lobbying Congress, okay? So um, it's pretty, and then, the, and then the second highest lobby that we have in the United States which is set at $150 million a year is the insurance industry, yeah. but you know, the health insurance industry. So what we're seeing here is, you know, people need to open their eyes and people need to see that, you know, it's really these pharmaceutical companies at $300 million a year lobbying our Congress, our federal lawmakers, um, because people ask me all the time, well, how how is it that, you know, there's no um, there's no recourse for somebody that's injured by um, by a vaccine. Right. And I said, well, there's a federal law that protects them. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, Congress passed a law. I said, yeah, Congress passed a law back in the 80s, maybe yeah. it was early 90s that protects the pharmaceutical manufacturers. Um, and it's really interesting because if you look at it, they're protected if they if somebody is injured by a vaccine they make, but you can sue them for injury if you're injured by a medicine that they make. So there's a distinction there. And so people are drawing conclusions as to why, you know, all of this going on is going on. But yeah, but but my main point is, is that there you do, you're right, Wolfgang, you have to look at where is the where's the money coming from to fund these politicians who are trying to do these horrible things to the citizens? It's not coming from their own back pocket, right? So it's coming from somewhere. Um, and, and it's an excellent point. Can I ask you, since it's so crystal clear that this decision that the judge took is the only one that's, you know, considering the constitution, everything else. Is, is the right one to take. How likely is that in case she really appeals the, the decision um, that she's that they're gonna come up with some sort of legal argumentation to really overrule it? Right, so um, there, 
when you do an appeal um, in New York State, um, they, meaning the governor and the Department of Health and the Attorney General, um, they can only appeal what we argued about in the first court, right? They can't start throwing in, you know, new arguments or new things in, in their lawsuit, in their appeal. Um, and so I already know what their argument is because I heard it already at the first court. Um, and their argument is, we need this power. We need complete and utter control over New Yorkers, you know, 19 and a half million New Yorkers. Um, and we need to have it at, at the drop of a hat. It doesn't even have to be an emergency. We just need to be able to control all New Yorkers all the time, whenever we want. And um, and, they, and then they say, in, in the name of health and safety, hey, don't you want to be safe? Don't you want to be healthy? Don't you want to make sure that you know you or your family members don't die from a disease? You know, and my response to that is absolutely, a hundred percent, I agree with you. But you, Department of Health and Governor, don't have the power to do it. Exactly. Take your idea, go to the legislature, who's the one that makes the laws, and try and get them to make a law that you want them to make. Yeah. But I already know they're not going to make it because, as Reiner brought up before, we already had Nick Perry trying to pass that law for seven years, and not one person would back it. So we already know that the New York lawmakers don't want to do a law like this. And so that's why the Department of Health and the governor have done it themselves, because they know for seven years it failed. So they know that they can't get the legislature to do this. Um, so they're just doing it themselves. Yeah, but could it be that they need a corrupt uh, court of appeals that will rule in their favor? Or Oh, I see what you're saying. So, um, so the next level of court is um, the appellate division, um, and then after that, if there if there's another appeal after that, then it would go up to the court of appeals, which is the highest court in New York State. Um, you know, our our judges at the trial level, at the first level, where where I won this lawsuit, are elected by the people. Um, the the judges at the appeals courts are appointed. So um, unfortunately, the governor gets to appoint, you know, if there's a vacancy, the governor gets to appoint judges to the, uh, you know, appeals courts, including the highest court in New York State. Um, and there was just so the chief judge in New York State in the Court of Appeals, the highest court, um, just announced that she, interestingly, that she is stepping down the end of the summer. Um, which means that uh, Governor Hochul will get to appoint somebody to the Court of Appeals. So, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it, it's hard to say, but you would think even if even if the judges sitting in the appeals courts were appointed by Democratic by Democratic governors, whether whether it's this governor or the governor before or the one before that, whatever the case may be, you would think you would hope that they are not going to be swayed by political agendas and they're going to look at the constitution they're going to look at this argument and they're going to uphold what judge plots already ruled that this is unconstitutional the department of health and the governor have overstepped and they, they don't have this power so um yeah so it you know it really shouldn't it really shouldn't matter um but you know we'll see what happens well, there's a, this other case that was won by uh, uh, Leslie Manukian's Health Freedom Defense Fund, 
uh, in uh, in Florida. The, the, we spoke about this the other day. Um, the last time uh, we had you on our session, on our Corona Committee session, and that case was decided uh, by the um, federal judge in Florida on the basis of their of the uh, again the government not having the power, CDC not having the power to issue uh, mass mandates on public transportation. Now, they are evidently appealing that judgment, but they're going to run into the 11th Circuit, I believe, and they have already made it clear that they're not going to, in, a, in, a, um, in, in one of the earlier decisions, I think this, this involved uh, cruise ships, um, and that's, that's when they said that the government simply doesn't have the power to issue such, such mandates. You have to go and take it to the legislature if you want such a law. You can't just rule by regulation. And I think that is what the real danger is about, uh, the administrative state becoming strong, or they're trying to push the administrative state. And that's why it's so important. You're absolutely right. People have to understand what this is all about. We have to get this out. We have to spread this information to as many people as possible so that they understand this is really not just about the abolition of the separation of powers. It goes to the heart of, the, of our democracy. Uh, and it's so important that this is happening in the United States, because if it were happening in Israel, as we have just heard from a colleague of ours, Golan Ashton, there wouldn't, th those judges will always rule in favor of the government, same as here in Germany, as we just realized when this major, major lawsuit um, uh, which was filed on behalf of two lieutenant colonels of the German military against the vaccine mandates was lost, despite the fact that the court actually heard witnesses, a whole group of witnesses who, who in great detail explained to the judges, there's no necessity for the vaccines because there are alternative methods of treatment, plus uh, there's not really a pandemic. It was created by uh, misusing the PCR test. Plus, the whole thing is not effective at all. Not 95%, not 60%, not even 1%. Plus, it's extremely dangerous. They ignored everything that these experts told them, which leads us to believe that the only reason why they did this, why they conducted this trial and heard the witnesses is a kind of a fig leave uh, thing so that the people would believe that the system is still, the judiciary is still functioning. It is not. That's why it's so important that uh, you in the United States um, are making use not just of the of the courts of law, but also of the Constitution and making it so brilliantly clear that this is an attack, an all out attack on democracy itself. Well, it, it is, Reiner, you're 100 percent right. It's, a, it's an attack on democracy. And, you know, there there have been uh, recent New York, uh, sorry, not New York, United States Supreme Court decisions, which have also followed this same logic of you cannot have regulations coming from um, you know, agencies under the executive branch that are doing things that Congress should be doing, mm -hmm. right? Um, in January of this year, uh, the, the United States Supreme Court struck down Biden um, and OSHA's rule, yep. right? So OSHA had mm -hmm. made a rule last year, um, which said, 
any employer in the United States with 100 or more employees had to require those employees to get the COVID-19 shot. Otherwise, they had to wear a mask to work. Um, they had to get the, um, the, the PCR tests all the time. So they were sued. Biden and OSHA were sued. And it went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. And in January, the Supreme Court ruled and said, no, OSHA, you can't do this. You are an agency. You are not Congress. Congress could do this if they want to make a law like this. Let Congress do it. But separation of powers, you are an agency. You're under the executive branch. You can't do this. Um, we saw another ruling about two weeks ago from the United States Supreme Court where they struck down an EPA regulation. The EPA is the Environmental Protection Agency. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one of the states, West Virginia, sued the EPA because of this regulation, which in effect was, was written and the provisions were conflicting with existing federal law. And um, same idea of separation of powers. Hey, you're an agency. You can't change existing law. You want to change the law? Go to Congress. You know, sell them your goods and get them to make the law uh, to change the law. Um, but the United States Supreme Court said, no, you can't do this, EPA. You're, you are an agency, and you don't have the power to override or overrule Congress. Right? There are three co-equal branches of government. They're supposed to work together. They're not supposed to be one jockeying to take the power of the other one. Um, so we, we are seeing this, um, thankfully, we're seeing this start to come out in the courts, mm -hmm. um, which is which is wonderful. You know, not every decision is terrific, but those two, certainly those two decisions by the United States Supreme Court um, are terrific. They, they had one last year too, last summer. Um, they had ruled that the CDC, which is our Center for Disease Control, um, couldn't make this rule that was a nationwide eviction moratorium. Mm -hmm. So they were not, the CDC was telling landlords across the country they couldn't evict tenants uh, because of COVID. You know, it, it didn't even make sense from a logical standpoint, but, you know, thankfully um, the Supreme Court struck that down last summer. So yeah, we just, we've seen so much government overreach coming from the executive branch in particular um, in this country. And, and it's all, you know, it's all in the name of health and safety. That's that's their their mantra, you know, health and safety, health and safety. That's great. Everybody wants to be healthy and everybody wants to be safe, but just do it within the purview of the laws and the Constitution. You know, don't trample all over everybody's rights because you want the power. Um, you know, and, and if it really is about health and safety, this is my this is my really big point that I like to make with this case. If the governor really of New York, Kathy Hochul, really wants everyone to be safe and healthy, why don't you just use the law that's already on the books? Yep. We already have Section 2120 of the public health law, which tells people how they how which tells the health department how they can remove people from society. Um, but you do it in a proper manner with <laughs> due process protections built in. Why don't you just use that? Because no. it's not about health and safety. It's about control. It's, it's about government overreach. And it has been for two years, for more than two years now. It's just yes. what they tried to do in Germany, too. They did it, too. 
and they do they they really make it much stronger when they just want to put this administrative uh, power into to the WHO. This is what they wanted uh, to do. They wanted to to empower the WHO to make regulations where there is no one elected, where there is no one uh, legitimized to do such things. So they try to take away the power from the democratically legislated uh, from the legislators and from the democratic structures they want to destabilize our societies by doing such things and they try to do it with with threatening us with some some disease which even does not exist it's a horrible thing what we experience it, it, it is horrible and the problem one of the biggest problems in my opinion is that it is being kept so quiet and even in the even in the instances where it's not kept quiet and they are doing it out in the open, the people, the citizens don't know that it's wrong. Right. Not everybody is a lawyer. Not everybody sits mm -hmm. there and reads through the Constitution or the case law or, or yeah. follows what's going on in the United States Supreme Court or whatever. So the people as a population in generally in general terms don't understand what their rights are. And so when somebody from the government stands up on television and tells them to do something or not to do something or prohibits them from doing something, you know, a vast majority of them say, well, you know what, I, I saw it on the news, I saw it on five different stations and channels, and I guess, I guess it's true, I guess it's right. So it's about censorship, right? We have lost, the media has lost their way. Yes. Um, they no longer tell two sides of a story, whether it's legally, you know, telling the both legal sides of an argument on, on a legal note um, or scientifically, you know, with the whole, you know, do masks work and and the virus and all this stuff. There's this just one sided. Everything's one sided. Yeah. There's no discourse going on. Um, but but how can how can you have a prosperous society like that? No, we no, no. Start, we have to start a new education system that we all learn from the beginning in our schools and everywhere that, to be self-confident, to be to know that we are the Democrats, that the democracy is from bottom up and it's not from top down. <laughs> People have forgotten this, I think. Well, Bobby, and here's here's the good news. Um, despite all of this, all of these uh very crazy effort uh, efforts of undermining democracy and the rule of law. Two, there's there's two takeaways that I think are positive. One, these brash, brazen, in-your-face attempts, to me, uh, can only, uh, my conclusion from this is that the other side is desperate. They must be desperate because this is so ri ridiculous. And the second positive takeaway is that the judiciary in parts of the United States, maybe not everywhere, but in parts of the United States are, are still is still functioning because of people like you, because of people who are really standing up for the rule of law and who are, who are fighting valiantly and successfully. This is great. Again, my congratulations, my really heartfelt con congratulations. This is so important, not just for the people of New York, but for the entire country and probably for the entire world, because they're trying to do the same thing in other parts of the world as well. I would like um, to make a remark, you know, it's and especially important also because um, you, uh, since the lawmaker, as lawmakers, as you uh, explained, uh, at, at, at least at this point in time, are not going in that di in that extreme direction. 
you know, it's especially important that not behind the back of these lawmakers and obviously the population, they managed to get this through. This is why it's so important that you took this step and like fought against it. But I think it's also a good sign that at least at this moment in time, the, the, there's no push from the lawmaker side in that direction. In Germany, I mean, if you remember the infection protection law, they also had in the beginning like regulations with an overreach and were kind of discussing uh, if this is now legal or not. I mean, it wasn't that extreme. I mean, yours is the situation is much more in your face and much, much extremer. But then we had in Parliament the decision that they would actually like vote for a similar kind of law, you know, but I mean, not, as I said, like sort of like a, uh, an intensification of the infection protection uh, <laughs> rules, yeah. But in your case, it seems that there's also from the lawmaker side still resistance to this kind of crap. Yes, on, on this notion of forced isolation and quarantine in New York State, you know, with no due process, with, with no protections of the citizens, yeah, no, that not one New York State legislator would, would touch that, would support that. Um, and, and I'm in constant touch with, with our lawmakers in New York State. Um, you know, we have those three that I mentioned who are on the lawsuit as petitioners fighting against the governor, uh, that, you know, Senator um, George Borrello, Assemblyman Chris Teague, and Assemblyman Mike Lawler. But then we had a, a whole nother group of assemblymen who, who wrote an amicus brief to support my case, um, which was brilliant. And that was written by Assemblyman Andy Goodell, who's also an attorney here in New York. Um, and it was signed on by Assemblyman Joe Giglio and Assemblyman Will Barclay. Um, you know, these are high ranking Republicans in the New York State Legislature. And, um, you know, it just shows that, that if you really want something to to happen if you want your legislators to listen to you if you want to have your voice heard you just need to speak up you just need to yeah. reach out to your legislators and tell them i like this i don't like that you represent me this is what you're supposed to do please follow the will of the people you know these these legislators are standing up you know, with me, with the citizens group uniting New York State, pushing back against the governor, pushing back against the attorney general. Um, and, and, you know, this was really a Davy, just to encourage people that are listening to this, you know, this was really a Davy versus, versus Goliath situation. Yeah. If anybody's familiar with that story of from course. the Bible, um, you know, Davy fights this little boy, basically fights this big Goliath, this big giant, um, and ultimately Davy wins the fight. Um, and that's what this was. This was, you know, the attorney general has unlimited resources. I mean, she has hundreds of attorneys throughout New York State that work for her, and they use our tax dollars to fund a defense like this. Um, and then there's, you know, there's me. <laughs> there's me on the other side. Um, you know, I used to be with a large international New York City law firm, but I left and I, I've had my own small law practice for 20 something years now. Um, and and I just, I saw that this was wrong. I, I absolutely could not stand letting them get away with it. Um, and so I took up the case and, and I'm not even getting paid. I'm doing it all pro bono. So, you know, for people listening, one person can make a difference. Yes. You know, it, it's, 
somebody did an interview with me earlier this week and they put a quote on the screen, which I thought was fantastic. It's from um, John F. Kennedy, which was, uh, you know, our president back in the 1960s, JFK. And he said, uh, you know, um, every um, one person can make a difference and everyone should try. So that's what I feel like this story can also do is help other attorneys to stand up. You don't have to be with a big law firm. You don't have to have an army of attorneys behind you. You don't have to have a staff of you know 75. It, you can do this. You just need the will. Um, and and in this case, you know now I'm going into fight them on an appeal. At least I have the decision of the judge in my favor. I have the will of the people in my favor, and I've got the Constitution on my side. So um, yeah, it's it's so important. Everybody stand up. And if anybody wants to um, follow along with the lawsuit, there's a website that was set up specifically about this case that people can go to that website. You can sign up for, um, look at an e a weekly e-newsletter. Um, it's unitingnys.com. So if anybody wants to follow along, there are also things on there. Um, you know, you can get a link to the judge's decision. You can get a link to the actual regulation and read it for yourself. Um, you can, there are a list of things you could do to try and help if you have time um, to help us. The biggest thing we need is outreach, helping us get this word out to other media platforms. Um, there's a donate link there because I'm, I'm doing the case pro bono. If anybody can donate, that's great. Um, but there's a lot of information. There are videos on there about the lawsuit, about our win. Um, the press releases are on there. So there's a lot of information at unitingnys.com slash lawsuit. I, I encourage people to take the time and, and take a look and, and help us follow along with us um, and, and help us out any way you can. That would be so terrific. That's the most important message. It's the most important message that it takes only a few good men and women. That's all it takes. Each and every one of us can do something. But of course, not everyone is a lawyer like you and not everyone is a great lawyer like you. Again, congratulations, Bobby Ann. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you, Reiner. I really appreciate that. Um, I, I appreciate all of you taking the time and, and helping spread the word on this. It's just, it's so important, even yeah. like not just New Yorkers, that yeah. anybody that's listening to this is really um, can make a difference. Yeah. And you just need to, if you can't be on the front lines, if you're not a lawyer, or you just, you're afraid of cancel culture, just support the people who are speaking out and who yeah. are on the front lines. And yeah. One person can make a difference. As we've just seen. Thanks again. What? We'll be in touch. We, we have to talk to Renata now because she's been waiting for about 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, Reinhard, is it just a technical detail. Can we send an amicus brief as well from Germany and maybe Israel to support your case so the judge knows that we the world is watching? Oh, that that is a fantastic question, Vivian. Um, I will I will check and see if if international amicus briefs are permitted. Um, I, I will definitely check on that, and then I can reach out to you uh, through Reiner or um, through Corbin if that's okay. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Thank great. you, and have a great weekend. You deserve it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank okay. you so much. Okay. Take care. Uh, Renate, uh, you have. You also have good news coming from Italy. Uh, this is a fantastic decision. Um, uh, you volunteered to do this in English, right? 
Renata, can you hear us? I, I think you. Oh, I can hear you now. Okay, Sorry. great. Hi. Hello, everybody. Hi. Yeah. Yes, we can do it in English. No problem. Okay, great. Um, I've, of course, I've read the decision. We've already discussed it uh, through text messages. Um, it is. It. This could be a real, um, a milestone. Um, let's hear about it. It's an Italian judge who ruled on whether or not i think it's a psychologist uh yes. can uh, uh needs to be vaccinated or not in order to do his job yes correctly it is a great decision it is uh, i would say the first decision uh, with which an italian judge uh, really tried to establish the facts and then to apply the law because mm -hmm. we already faced we uh, always uh, faced the problem that the judges didn't establish first the facts but um, uh, heard only the the regime narrative and applied uh, the law and that is obviously a nonsense because a judge has first of all the duty to establish the facts on the basis of the documents and um, the explanations of the parties. So uh, this great judge, a woman of the Tribunal of Florence, in the case regarding a healthcare worker, a psychologist, uh, established first of all the facts. She um, she declares that uh, on the data, on the public data arising from the documents uh, of the Ministry of Health of our um, me uh, National Medicinal Authority, IFA, and of our, uh, of our National uh, Sanitary Authority, Istituto Superior della Sanità, it is very clear that this um, as, uh, substances, and she defines them several times as experimental substances, as they in fact are, that these substances don't prevent infection with the virus. And so she concludes on the basis of the wording uh, of uh, the law, um, which introduced in Italy the mandatory um, so-called COVID-19 vaccination and, and which foresees the obligation to, um, for this treatment um, um, to prevent the infection with the virus SARS-CoV-2. And as um, this prevention of the, uh, of the infection um, is, is not the reality, we know, and she declares the data, the figures are showing the right opposite, that these substances don't work for, for that purpose. And therefore, she says, as, as this was the purpose uh, of this uh, law, uh, obviously, uh, as these substances don't work for that, um, uh, no citizen, and in this case, uh, especially the healthcare workers, can be 
um, forced uh, to uh, this uh, treatment. And uh, if they don't uh, um, get this uh, injection, um, uh, as we know, they uh, leave the right to uh, work. So first of all, see, she established the fundamental and, uh, and first important uh, fact that these substances don't prevent infection. And already on the basis of that uh, fundamental fact, she says uh, that uh, the law um, can't, that on the basis of the Italian law, there can't be any obligation. But uh, obviously she goes further. She says uh, always on the basis of this uh, public data, we know that these substances um, are producing a huge number of adverse events, or very serious adverse events, also fatal, also deaths. And uh, therefore, uh, she concludes that it is absolutely impossible to impose a treatment, a sanitary treatment, to a person if uh, we, uh, as we know, that these substances are causing also deaths and also and other very serious um, adverse events of uh, a fundamental ground of her decision. And uh, she uh, explains that that even if there was uh, a benefit uh, for the uh, for the community, but uh, as I further um, explained, she um, established the fact that there is no benefit because because first of all, these um, uh, substances don't prevent infection, so people um, treated with the substances can um, become sick and can uh, transmit the virus. And uh, she um, declares that always on the basis of the figures of the data uh, arising from uh, the reports of the Italian health authorities, we can see that, especially in the group of the persons treated already with three shots of this um, experimental uh, substances, uh, the, the infection is uh, spreading. And we have a lot, and, and we had uh, in these days um, the, um, uh, the doctor leading the intensive care, I think it was in Verona, declaring in, uh, uh, in television that all persons uh, on its, uh, in, uh, in the intensive care are people treated with three shots of these substances. Wow. So this judge um, uh, based its, uh, um, their, their great decision, first of all, on the, uh, on the public data of the Italian um, authorities responsible for um, the public health care. And um, what uh, she uh, explained, um, she explained also in this decision that even if 
these substances would work to prevent inf uh, the infection. She, uh, she says, um, after, the, after the experience, we, in, especially in Europe, had in the uh, uh, Nazi and fascism period, there can't be allowed any mandatory um, sanitary treatment without an free and informed consent. And obviously, there can't be a free consent if there isn't an informed consent. And as we know, the population was not um, told, uh, um, was not given uh, the, uh, the, the right information. So uh, she says, even if there was a benefit, but we, but she, uh, on the basis of the of the public data, explains that there is no benefit. But even if there was a benefit, she says, experience benefit for the collect for the population as a whole. You can't um, sacrifice an uh, a individual person. That's another principle she explains uh, in their great decision. And that's it's, it's a very important uh, principle, uh, which uh, seems that uh, uh, most of um, our judges um, have absolutely forgotten that because if there uh, is um, a, a clear evidence that these substances are causing very serious adverse uh, events, and we know even a lot of this, and she writes in their decision that there are that we know uh, from the public figures that uh, these substances already cause thousands of deaths. So she said, it never, never, um, uh, an individual person could be sacrificed. And she declares that it is clear that with the decision to, um, um, to suspend uh, the psychologists from their work, the, the board of the chamber of psychologists um, accepts uh, the risk of um, uh, of a serious uh, um, adverse event um, um, accepts that this that this psychologist could be a victim of a serious adverse event, and uh, she um, explains that 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 is absolutely illegal. She also um, um, uh, writes um, the, the, um, several times the definition of dignity of a human being, which is another very important uh, principle. And she, uh, um, she refers even to the Article 1 of the German uh, Grundgesetz, of the German constitutional law. And she explains that, uh, uh, that there is a clear reason, uh, because especially in Germany, with uh, uh, its uh, history, the, um, uh, the dignity of the human uh, being of, is, is at the center at uh, the first article of the Grundgesetz of the, of the German constitutional law. So this great woman, uh, I would say, 
um, uh, this great judge refers to uh, two times uh, expressly to the period of na of uh, Nazi uh, um, and and fascism, and that is also a clear sign that um, she is aware of the dramatic situation in which especially the Italian population uh, is because um, you must uh, know if that we have not only the mandatory vaccination so-called vaccination for the healthcare workers we had already uh, a mandatory vaccination for all the workers and uh, we have also a mandatory vaccination ongoing for people over uh, 50 years. Uh, um, so um, in the regime in Italy is especially cruel. What did she uh, say uh, further? Um, she, um, she explains that an informed consent is not possible as uh, we don't uh, uh, at the end uh, really know the ingredients and the real mechanism, uh, various mechanism of the substances um, because of not only of the industrial um, secret, but also of the alleged military secret. You must know that uh, um, um, a group of, um, of human um, uh, law rights activists, uh, Italian activists, um, uh, made a, a freedom of, um, presented a freedom of information act um, to uh, the EMA and to the Italian um, health care authorities uh, regarding um, uh, clear, clear information, um, um, uh, especially referred to the ingredients and the safety of these uh, experimental substances. And as, a, as an answer, they got that there is a military secret. It is absolutely incredible. Right. And, uh, and we know, yes, this answer came from the AMA. Oh my that God. they can't, uh, they can't uh, give this kind of, of information um, because of a military uh, secret. And um, this Italian judge, absolutely corrected in a correct way um, on the basis of this incredible answer given by this criminal Emma, as we know, um, said, well, we don't have the information, even if we ask the information publicly, we don't get them, so we can't have an informed consent. And as we know, especially in Italy, uh, the, po uh, the population uh, uh, was told that these substances will um, bring to a, a sterile immunization, that they are safe, that there uh, was the need only of, uh, of uh, two uh, shots, and then uh, um, uh, all uh, was uh, um, fine. 
and and other and other faiths and um, on the basis of that and we have a huge uh, number of um, public um, uh, declarations also by uh, our president of the republic mattarella and of the uh, of uh, the governor which resigned yesterday uh, we will see what uh, will happen on uh, Wednesday when the parliament has to decide if it has to go or not. So um, they both, Draghi and Mattarella, declared several times uh, publicly that um, uh, only uh, uh, people who uh, get this uh, treatment um, uh, will survive the other will die and will also be responsible for the death of the others. So uh, we are in the hands of, um, yes, of criminals. Absolutely. And, and um, yes, I already said that she puts uh, in the center the dignity of the human being, uh, making uh, two times uh, 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 ref, um, ref, refers two times to the Nazi and fascism uh, period, and she also um, points out that uh, that um, of course national, our national and European and international law doesn't consent any treatment with an experimental substance on a human being without a free and informed consent. And uh, she concludes that uh, based on all, on all these facts, there is a clear um, um, discrimination uh, of this uh, psychologist um, regarding the others uh, treated with the substances because she says uh, that um, um, all, um, in, in, um, beside the fact if they are uh, treated or not with these uh, substances, can um, be infected, can um, become sick and can uh, transmit the virus. And she also declares that it is absolutely unlikely that the region of Tuscany and the board of the chamber of this professional chamber of psychologists aren't aware of the spread of the infections, although the population uh, is treated uh, in a percentage of 80 and 90 percent. And she declares also it is unlikely that uh, the region of Tuscany and the board of this professional chamber doesn't know that the spread of infections is, happens uh, especially within the group of the persons who got already three shots and when Italy already uh, mm, began with the fourth shot. So, uh, therefore, she declares uh, the suspension uh, of the psychologists from their right to work is absolutely illegal, and therefore she suspended the suspension from the work in an interim disposal um, um, without hearing the other part, because she said there is no time 
to lose this uh, psychologist was suspend um, uh, lose their uh, right uh, to work um, already in October of last year. The first um, the first claim for annulment of this suspension was presented before the administrative tribunal. We have in Italy also the problem that there is no clear um, attribution of the jurisdiction. There are tr administrative uh, tribunal declaring themselves um, um, that that's their, their jurisdiction and other uh, administrative tribunals like um, uh, this of Florence, which uh, says, well, uh, this, um, these cases are regarding fundamental rights, therefore you have to go to the ordinary uh, court, civil court. It seems to be the right, uh, the right uh, uh, choice. So, and therefore the judge, uh, 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 said she has to suspend immediately on the basis of the evidence. She declared evidence is so clear and, and fixed a court hearing for uh, September the 15th. And then she will uh, decide um, another time um, on the basis of also of what the other side, which is the Chamber of Psychologists of Tuscany, will um, present. But we think the, the evidence is so clear, and this is a very good informed yeah. uh, judge, because this interim disposal is already grounded uh, in a very uh, good uh, way. Uh, she has not, given not only one ground, she has given uh, a, a series of grounds uh, which can uh, only bring to the conclusion that there is no right to suspend a citizen from his uh, right to work, um, to exercise his uh, profession based on, the, on this illegal request of a sanitary treatment with this um, experimental uh, sub uh, substances. So she, uh, this judge lives up to the, she seems to live up to the um, long and famous reputation of Italian law. Wasn't Bologna one of the first universities, if not the first university with a faculty of law? You're right, you're right, absolutely, absolutely. We have, uh, we have in fact, um, many very good uh, lawyers and, and, and the culture of law in Italy is, uh, we, yes, uh, is very um, uh, famous and, and, and uh, evaluated, but uh, we saw in this last two years um, incredible, decisions yeah. and we saw that uh, judges instead of establishing first effects that's what uh, uh, obvi obviously a judge has to do and not only to follow a narrative a pub uh, a narrative of a regime of a government we have all we have even declarations in the decisions 
of, uh, this, of this other kind of judges where they say, well, we can't criticize uh, the decision taken by a government. It's absolutely incredible. A judge has to control the government. And we have a lot, a lot of, of decisions of this. I, yes, I, I'm, I'm not willing to uh, define them judges because they have to change their work. They have to yeah. change uh, the job because uh, they uh, because it's their fault that we are in this dramatic situation and and because if a judge declares uh, that kind of nonsense in a decision he is outing its uh, his incompetence and um, and uh, of, um, first of all um, the lack of uh, an ethical uh, uh, basis. Anyone, that's, anyone that's who it. argues in that way, any judge who argues that way, is a disgrace for his or her profession. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, obvi obviously, you can imagine that uh, this uh, judge is now this uh, judge of uh, of Florence is attacked by the regime. <laughs> And is and by the regime uh, media, they they um, are trying uh, to ridiculate her, and uh, they are invoking the need of uh, uh, of an investigation. Yeah, right. Yeah, we we know we know what happens, but but the uh, scientific evidence is so strong. Yeah. And uh, I forgot to say um, uh, something. She even refers, refers in their decision uh, to the risk uh, which uh, these substances bear, are bearing, and especially the risk of a mutation of the, um, uh, of the uh, human uh, DNA. Because we know, uh, based also on a study made by the University of Malmö, Sweden, that uh, there is a high risk that the synthetic RNA, um, especially when there are um, several treatments, repeated treatments, will uh, retranscript in our human DNA. Yeah. And she declares in their decision that uh, it is absolutely crazy uh, to uh, to ask uh, to impose a treatment of this kind when that can happen. And we know. I, I want to add because obviously she was also attacked, uh, and she is under attack because of this um, uh, of this part of um, her uh, decision. Um, I, I, I want to announce that uh, we are going to uh, present uh, a very important Freedom of Information Act to the EMA and to the Italian national authorities, which could be replicated also then to every um, European member country um, 
um, where we will have clear informations regarding this kind of risk because we know that the European regulation regarding the advanced therapy product products foresees that not only the products defined as uh, genetic uh, therapeutic products or advanced uh, products but also also products uh, which are not defined as that but have the same function and we know that this so-called COVID-19 vaccines um, have, uh, are an injection of this nucleic acid, which uh, then makes the cell, uh, human body cells produce uh, the spike protein. So uh, the function is clearly what uh, the European legislator has foreseen for this um, genetic uh, therapeutic product. And uh, what I want to, uh, to say is that European regulation foresees that even for products which aren't defined formally as uh, genetic therapeutic products, but have the same uh, um, mechanism, there has to be involved a special committee within the EMA, the Committee for Advanced Products. And we want to know why this committee didn't, uh, if this committee was involved, what kind of studies this committee made and the results of these studies, because we, uh, we know that there weren't done any studies regarding this kind of gene toxicity and uh, which, uh, uh, which bears then obviously also high risk of cancer and so on. So uh, this part of the decision of this, um, of this judge of the court of Florence is important because she touched a very um, serious uh, point besides uh, the facts which uh, are already um, uh, very good documented by uh, public data. So um, um, what I want to say is if they are uh, want to attack this uh, judge, we will be there and furnish further evidence. Excellent. Thank you very much, Renata. Uh, I think it's very, very good that this judge just mentioned this study from Sweden, because um, it's not only that there is the risk that the genetic code of human beings might be changed and might be damaged, and uh, there is also the risk, if it is in the genetic code, that, it, that the people who have this change, that the mRNA is transcribed into DNA, there always may be a protection of spikes again. It may suddenly happen because the information stays in the cells where, it, where it, it was installed by the transcription. And another thing is it might be given to the children, which is, which is possible if it's in the DNA. We don't know it, but this is the pre precautional principle, which is one of the, the highest, the biggest principles and used to be one of the biggest principles in the European Union too. 
is completely neglected now. And this is this is not this is irresponsible. And I think uh, what it's very good that you ask those questions. We have to have the details what they really did and what they just didn't do, what they should have done but didn't do. They all are guilty to just neglect the precautionary principle and to expose the people not only that they get ill, but they get genetically modified in a way that they may suffer their whole life. And that they that, that they get genetically modified and their children's get genetically modified too. And this is such a big thing that we have to talk about it each session. And there has to be done lots of science. It is true that there is only one study which did it in which did it in some cells in vitro. But this is enough. It's enough reason to have lots of studies to stop immediately the yeah. use of this of mm -hmm. this virus immediately stop it because there is the risk and it's about precautionary principles and the risk of being damaged by this is far bigger than any coronavirus infection could be absolutely so this is a this is a very 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 important point and i'm yeah. very happy that the italian judge that that she mentioned it in her in her sentence yeah Thank you. And um, thank you so much, Dr. Bodak. And uh, obviously, the scientific report, uh, which also you signed and, and collaborated, is, uh, is an important basis for our Freedom of Information Act. And we will publish, I think, it uh, next week. So um, uh, uh, you are absolutely right. And um, because they know that that is the point could be the game changer because they did uh, absolutely a violation of a clear um, a recommendation um, they can't put on the market for a mass treatment for the treatment of all the population and repeated treatments uh, products which had to be tested uh, especially regarding this aspect it's yeah. absolutely crazy it's absolutely criminal and i repeat this is a great woman it's a great uh, judge we have here the court of florence and we lawyers we will do everything to protect her Excellent. because what we have seen in this last two days and, and 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 the aggressions against her by the regime media and also publicly by the Minister of Health, this so uh, this uh, uh, his name is Peranza. It's um, for us. Uh, um, yeah, we have to find another uh, uh, another word uh, when we will uh, express uh, uh, when uh, um, this kind of of uh, hope. Yes. <laughs> Um, it is a it's a criminal. This uh, this person has to go to jail with uh, um, a huge number of other persons. But he declared uh, in television publicly that this judge has to go. That this judge declared incredible sins. Obviously, um, he knows uh, that if these facts will be. Um, if the population understands that this uh, judge 
uh, in a very uh, great decision put in um, scientific, uh, all the scientific evidence we already have, then um, life, uh, the, the life of uh, the Ministry of Health and the other members of the government, but also the uh, most uh, parliamentarian, because uh, we have to point out that not only the members of the government, but also the most uh, more, uh, most part of the parliamentarian voted for this uh, illegal, unconstitutional, mandatory uh, uh, treatment uh, with an experimental uh, gene-based gene uh, uh, substance. Now, even if you don't... Gene-technical-based uh, substance, sorry. It's a good thing that the, uh, uh, I think it was the district attorney in Sicily first defined this as a uh, an, an experimental substance, so she had something to use there. But I, I, I was going to say, even if you don't get an answer of, uh, to your uh, FOIA um, request from EMA, it'll still show you what's going on because as you've seen in Uruguay, that judge there ordered Pfizer to give answers to, I don't know, 15 or 20 questions and they refused to give these answers. And that's when, that's when people understood that after the judge ruled that no one under 13 can receive this so-called vaccines, that's, that's when people understood that Pfizer is willing to give up billions in profits rather than open up about what is really in the vials. That means there's something very, very terrible in there. Yeah, 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 absolutely right. Like an international um, approach, and we should definitely for Germany and for other European countries um, see, see too that we um, ask the same questions. And maybe like in Israel, I'm sure there's also like uh, FOIA, you know, this Freedom of Information Act uh, kind of situation, is there? Yes, but they, they are just ignoring them. They just uh, lead them around. Okay, in one month. Okay, in two months. They all, always make the, the 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 demand for the information, but they do whatever they want. They don't uh, release anything. See, this is this. That's that. That's what it means. It means people of the world look at Israel, and then you'll know what to be afraid of if you don't fight back. You know. Um, I hate to say this, but I don't, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to break anything up, but we have to rush because we're under a lot of time pressure. Uh, there is, um, someone else who's been waiting for, uh, over 30 minutes now. Uh, Renata, thank you so much. This was, uh, extremely delightful. It was good to hear good news. Um, and have a great weekend. We'll be in touch anyway. You too. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Uh, now we have Sonia Elijah. I think I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. She's an investigative journalist and broadcaster at trialsitenews.com. She has a background in economics and was a former BBC researcher. Her analysis of the Pfizer COVID vaccine safety report uh, received worldwide attention. Um, she reviewed leaked internal emails from the European Medicines Agency, we just spoke about them, EMA, and meeting report between the agency and Pfizer. And she knows that US and EU government officials pressured European drug regulators to rush approval 
of Pfizer-BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine despite safety concerns, including direct lobbying by Pfizer CEO Alberto Burla to the president of the EU Commission and high-level FDA regulator. And I might add, isn't there also a scandal about the uh, uh, commissioner, the health commissioner of the um, uh, European Union? Didn't she receive $4 million in her account from Pfizer? Um, I can't speak to that because I haven't haven't researched that myself, but um, I can speak to obviously what I've written yeah. in my reports, uh, which I'm very happy to do so. And it's really I'm, I'm thank you for having me, you know, uh, for giving me time today to speak. And it's uh, uh, thank you for all your hard work, Reiner, and your team. Thank you. We're we're a good team, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go ahead, tell us yes. about what you found out. Yes, so um, my report was published a few weeks ago uh, in Trial Site News, um, and I would consider this as quite a bombshell uh, investigative report, given the, uh, the damning evidence. Um, and no mainstream media outlet, of course, has, has picked up on this story. Um, but I think it speaks to sort of three alarming facts. One, it's clear that politics was driving the science and dictating the COVID-19 vaccine authorization protocol. And there was this extreme rush to uh, authorize these uh, gene therapy product uh, uh, in injections to avoid political fallout uh, at the expense of robust scientific assessments being carried out. Um, and um, these emails, so I will talk a bit about this rush. So you have, uh, first of all, you've got emails from Marco Cavallari, who is the head of uh, biological health threats and vaccine strategy for the European Medicines Agency. <coughs> And he speaks to this rush um, by uh, put, uh, to, to sort of authorize, pushed hard by Azar. Uh, Azar was, is, is Alex Azar, who at that time was the head of the uh, HHS, Health and Human Services, uh, that oversees the FDA uh, under the Trump administration. And obviously, he was uh, helming the Operation Warp Speed at the time. So um, you have that going on. You have these internal emails where you have this sort of palpable sort of pressure that is building up on these sort of EMA staffers with this rush that they have to authorize. And I'm specifically talking to the, about the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine here mm -hmm. uh, and not not be too far behind the FDA's emergency use authorization. Um, the actual, I think, December 11th, 2020 was when the FDA granted the EUA. Um, but the, actually, the, the UK's MHRA was the first on December 2nd. The time period of these emails range from December, uh, November 10th to the 25th of November. But what is really alarming, of course, you have this rush to authorise. You have a few staffers. For example, you have the former deputy uh, director, um, Noel Wathian, who is very concerned, and he he basically is, you know, he he states in an email, we're speeding up as much as possible, but we also need to make sure that our scientific assessment is as robust as possible. So you have a concern there. 
Um, but this sort of, uh, and then you have mentioned emails where they talk about this very tense uh, teleconference call with the European Commissioner, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, and how it was very intense and how it was very unpleasant and that a delay of several weeks is not easily acceptable for the European Commission. Um, what she said? Yes, well, this is this is Noel in an email to okay. his colleagues conveying what happened on this specific telephone call. And as we know, um, you know, von der Leyen is, is sort of uh, immersed in scandal because earlier Absolutely. in 2022, she, uh, you have these undisclosed, she refused to disclose these private texts between herself and, and Pfizer CEO, Albert Bueller. And she was literally unilaterally sort of liaising with him and, and doing the deals, uh, these vaccine deals with him. So, um, Sonia, you so know that she has a history of doing that, right? Are you aware of the fact that she, as a secretary of defense, destroyed uh, all the emails that would have uh, exposed her to probably criminal investigations? I, it doesn't shock me for no. you saying. I'm not surprised. Yeah, um, it is really shocking. And and so we have this sort of being pushed hard by her. We have this, he, he describes this political fallout seems to be too high, even if the technical level at the member states could defend such a delay in order to make the outcome of the scientific review as robust as possible. So he speaks to this political fallout being too high, this potential delay of a several weeks in order to do a robust assessment, that obviously the member state states were concerned and probably wanted that to happen, that it will be met with criticism, I quote, from various parties, including the media, European Commission and the European Parliament. So you have that on one hand, you have this whole sort of political pressure rush to authorize this um, safety corners being cut, so to speak. And then you have, when you dig deeper, you have emails that then speak to this major objections now I will talk about. So what they discovered and what they were told, this is just weeks before um, conditional marketing authorization was given by the European Medicines Agency. They, they discovered that there was a significant discrepancy between the uh, commercial and clinical batches, this is of the Pfizer vaccine, in regards to the percentage mRNA integrity level. Wow. So what they found was that the uh, the clinical batch was batches was on average around 78%. But the, clin clin the, the commercial batches, which was the large scale batches, which were going to be rolled out, you know, across the world, um, dropped down to 55%. So there was like a significant drop there. And they also noted, and these are emails, you know, I can uh, read out, there's some emails from um, Veronica. Let me see. Um, Veronica. It's really alarming, Jack Kelly, who says that um, that there's they have not identified. They do not know what the safety and efficacy uh, effects are on this, huh. on the fact that there's this drop. And what they're talking about essentially is that the mRNA molecule is has been fragmented or it truncated, so it's not intact. 
So which is very alarming. And um, you have you have the all the key regulators know about this, the FDA, MHRA, Emma and Health Canada. And actually, there's even a mention that Health Canada is concerned that they don't get these suboptimal batches. So they are aware, but they're saying that any of these concerns to do with safety or efficacy are only theoretical. Um, so that's that's quite alarming. Um, and and what is also just to add more to get a better picture of what is going on here is that I also an anonymous source I got I got access to a leaked Pfizer report which states that if the mRNA level the percentage level drops below seventy percent they consider that the threshold then that will that will that will basically affect the, the efficacy and and obviously their safety the safety as well so you have you have that in the Pfizer in, in a Pfizer report um, and it says that the efficacy of the product is dependent on expression of the delivered RNA which requires a sufficiently intact RNA molecule and this um, so this is this is this is going on here and then you have also so we know that if it drops below 70 percent that's not good um, you know that we know that these commercial batches, they're around 55%. But what is so shocking, Reiner, is, is that I also got a leaked PowerPoint presentation dated November 26, 2020. Again, this is just a, a two weeks, two or three weeks before authorization is given, that the way they're going to get around this, their response is to simply lower the standard and lower the wow. mRNA integrity level down to 50% for the drug product shelf life. Um, so it's it's really shocking. Um, and so they we, knew this this effects this uh, affects both efficacy and safety. And, yes, and the yet safety is unknown. They say we do not know the safety, you know, so safety is unknown. We know that the efficacy definitely is affected because you need an intact RNA yeah. molecule. These are truncated um, mRNA molecules. So they have parts of these molecules are missing. Um, and um, it's it's just shocking that that's how it's baffling how they they think by lowering the standard is just going to make this problem go away mm -hmm. now i believe this problem is still present it hasn't gone away i don't believe they've even properly looked into this or or addressed this issue so we need to ask well what are the safety and efficacy implications of a significantly lowered mrna integrity from these from these sort of injectable products that, that have been rolled out you know, across the population and now given to infants as young as six months old. Um, it's it's really shocking and and questions, these questions need to be asked. And again, I'm shocked that that no, no, no this isn't being covered in the media at all. Not yet, but it'll come. Good. <laughs> have, you any, have you heard any speculations on what these truncated uh, molecules yes whatever what they might do to you so i i know that so what is interesting they say that okay now again this is taken from pfizer's own report um this is the the possibility of translated proteins other than the intended spike protein resulting from truncated 
and or modified RNA species should be addressed. So this was actually actually part of a slide in their PowerPoint presentation. Can you say that again, that sentence? So the possibility of translated proteins other than the intended spike protein, S1, S2, resulted from truncated and or modified mRNA species should be addressed. So this was in a PowerPoint slide between Pfizer and the European Medicines Agency. So this is really shocking. So what, what, what kind of proteins are now being expressed by these truncated molecules? What is going on in people's bodies in their cells right now? We, we just don't know. So it could basically be anything. It could be like a, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, like uh, in in this uh, Leipzig um, uh, trial, the the uh, the court trial, there the um, the authority in in Germany, the Paul Ehrlich Institute, they said that um, you know they look at the length of the yes. mRNA, like for. Um, for checkup, yeah, you yes. know, like uh, as a, to uh, to see if it's the same or if if it in the batches is what they declare that it is, but I mean we don't even know, like so they don't look at what the the long, uh, you know the 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 yes. pieces that do the yes. same, that's the same length what they do, so we don't even know what what this other stuff. Yes. Could, I'm, I'm going to just read out again. This is from um, a slide. So just talking about the, the sort of what the parts of these. So fragmented species observed by CGE are expected to be compromised. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, to be comprised of truncated transcripts that include the five region of BNT. This is the visor vaccine, but lack the three uh, dash region and poly A tail. So this poly A tail and this other region appear to be missing in these truncated forms. And again, we do not know what are the safety, what are the efficacy implications of this. It's 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 truly shocking. Um, and this is all written in my report. I have screenshots of all of this, and I do continue to to research further and actually update update my report as well. Wow, this is truly shocking. Yes. What's Lots even more shocking is that yeah. it's not it's that that people are trying these agencies which are there to protect us. Yes. They're, yes. they're trying yes. to suppress yes. all this. Yes. They know yes. it and they suppress it. So you have these regulatory bodies that are supposed to protect and promote public health. They have completely and utterly failed in that mm -hmm. role. They have completely and utterly been, I believe, captured by Big Pharma, because you have, you know, the CEO, Albert Bueller, um, lobbying Peter Marks. That is mentioned in one of the emails from Marco Cavallari, that he was lobbying Peter Marks. Peter Marks is the director of CBA at the FDA, and he was lobbying him. So you have literally these pharmaceutical giants dictating to the regulatory bodies. The very regulatory bodies are supposed to regulate them they are they are calling the shots. Hmm. They are directing them, and we know why because the majority of their funding. I know from the MHRA and FDA. I haven't looked too much into the European Medicines Agency, but the majority of the funding comes from the uh, big pharma in Absolutely. the form of application fees. 
Yeah. You know that the head of uh, uh, EMA uh, was, before she took that job, was a uh, chief lobbyist for the pharmaceutical industry, are you, right? Are you talking about EMA, EMA Cook? Is it? I think that's her name, yeah. Yes, yes, mm. the head of the EMA, mm. yeah. Yes, yes, that doesn't surprise me. And you have this revolving door. Yeah. So you have these key, so senior, you know, uh, regulatory, you know, uh, officials that the, either they go to work for Big Pharma or they come from Big Pharma. There's this sort of revolving door um, it is, uh, it, issue going on. It, I, I think it's so obvious that these agencies have completely been taken over by the pharmaceutical industry. Yes, it is shocking. There needs to be complete reform. Yeah. You have watchdogs essentially with their teeth being pulled out. That's the sort of picture I like to give. Yeah, these are supposed to be the watchdogs that are supposed to, again, protect, promote public health. They yeah. have utterly failed. Wow. And it's the public that have lost out. And I feel it's my duty as an investigative journalist, because the mainstream media have failed abysmally in doing their job, in asking the questions, um, it, it's it's my job to just to get the information out. As a as a former parliamentarian, I just address want to address the members of the European Parliament who have the who are the in in charge of the household of the EMA, and there is fifteen percent of the money for the EMA coming from the household of the European Union, and they once did it already that they blocked the household of the EMA, so they stopped paying them. And so the, the EMA cannot work without without uh, allowance from 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 the Parliament and from the Household uh, Committee. So the parliamentarians could do something. They could make pressure on this institution. Yes. And the parliamentarians, there is an opposition, and there are lots of parliamentarians who are already waking up. We saw this, and there should be more. And what they could do is that they could make pressure on the EMA to 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 give transparency to all this because it is it is like the stable of Augeas, you know, all this <laughs> dirt there. And you you need to, there has to be a stream of democracy, which is washing it away. And the parliamentarians could do it. Yeah, drain yeah. the swamp, stop the funding. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Um, is there more coming out or is this uh, yes, for the... I, I... I'm going to do an update. There is some more information, more material that's come out. So I will be doing an update. And also, uh, I've been looking extensively uh, at the Pfizer documents since, yeah. since last December. I've written at least four reports on that in depth. And um, and it's just shocking the, the level of censorship. As you know, you know, like the first report I wrote in December, I was interviewed by an Australian media agency and they it, three days, it, 1.4 million views, it was going viral and it got deep, you know, shut down. The video of my, the interview of me got removed because I was just literally citing Pfizer's own data. That's all I was doing. I don't give my opinion on things. I, I, I write from fact, from what I'm seeing, from evidence, from credible sources. And um, there's always this sort of shutdown or, um, you know, obviously we know that the, the big tech censorship and, and, uh, 
we you know, I know all about the trust and news initiative you know so that you have this perfect storm that's gone on yeah. and um and it, it's it's just it's just really shocking and obviously but I do believe maybe more and more people maybe are waking up to that fact absolutely and I think all of the judges who condoned this kind of censorship will pretty soon be without a job they will never have one again at least not in that business yeah yeah hope so yeah wow um this is another exciting session of the corona committee um i i thought things couldn't get any worse but the information we're getting uh are scarier by the day on the other hand parts of the judiciary all over the world we've heard from uh the united states today and from italy parts of the judiciary are waking up or um fighting to uphold the rule of law which is the most important building block of a functioning democracy. And people like you and others are doing their best to spread the news, to spread to everyone what is really going on. Everything that's being hidden by the mainstream media, ignored and actively hidden, is coming out. It is kind of seeping through their through their uh, walls that they're trying to put up in order to keep things from coming out. I think they're desperate right now, mm -hmm. and they must be especially desperate when they see people like you uh, talking about these leaked emails and all these other indiscretions that way. This is scandalous. Um, there's no other word. It's scandalous. It's horrifying because people are dying. It's not just about money. Um, and, and corruption. I, mean, I just wanted to briefly talk about because I mentioned in my report there's there's a website called howbadisyourbatch.com yes. yes. and that is a very it's like a comprehensive database database and it literally you can put in the lot number and there's the um, related adverse events deaths disabilities to do mm -hmm. with certain batches mm -hmm. so it, it you know is it because we're having this loss of you know I, I I'm not a scientist I don't know but is does this does this this is is this the after effect that we're seeing because of these sort of truncated mrna molecules because of this loss of integrity and also i wanted to mention they saw i forgot to say visible particles in in the commercial batches and they mentioned that and they classified them as impurities again this is within the meeting the, uh, this 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 was actually within the emails it talks about that and also with the slides it mentions they're classified as impurities so they knew about it just before being you know then then going ahead to authorize uh, so what what are these visible particles what did they observe there why have they not investigated mm -hmm. Yeah, and also who is pushing this agenda? It's not just about money. It's been going on for much longer than these two years or two and a half years. Um, so we need to take, or we need, we, we've taken a closer look, but we need to educate the people. We need to get out the real information. This is about life and death. Yes, it is. Wow. Thank you very much, Sonia. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for you know reaching out to me and I really respect the work that you're all doing and uh, you know I do believe truth will come out in the end. It will because of people like you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Sonia. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. For having me. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, yeah. I mean, truth is already pouring out of uh, <laughs> of you know the bucket that it's that has more and more visible. 
uh, holes as we can see and i think it's it's great that we are um you know like um really join join forces on all kinds of levels yeah. like scientifically legally and also like really physically like in the different nations people joining together and like distributing all the information i think that is so important and i think we can do this now much more in depth also in israel and, and maybe also because it's a smaller country i think it's also a big chance you know that you have a lot of people once they see the information um you know they can really like uh, get even more aware like i mean what we can see in like in in um in holland where they had um you know with the farmer protests and the small countries everyone sees it and 80 percent of the people are really in favor of what the farmers are doing so i think it's we have a good big chance here and we're gonna use it i'm, I'm sure it's gonna be a great we have uh, to <laughs> collaboration yes. also we'll get these yeah. bastards Right. Do you have some? Uh, what kind of? Do we have uh, clips to show? Yes, we do have a couple of clips, just two, but I think they're really, really cool. Uh, one is uh, Jesse Waters of Fox News, who explains about the real agenda. This is what I've just been trying to tell you that um, we all know this, of course, that what is really going on behind the scenes is an agenda of population reduction and and gaining complete control over the people. This is a great short clip, three minutes and 45 seconds. It uh, simply exposes the World Economic Forum's real agenda. And then in German, there is a uh, woman by the name of Sarah Bennett. Uh, she explains how, this is only 45 seconds, how in Luxembourg, uh, they're doing the same thing as in um, as in the Netherlands, where uh, where they're trying to disown the farmers, trying to destroy the um, uh, agricultural food chain, so to speak. And in Luxembourg, people seem to be waking up to this as well. So those are the two final clips that we have. Okay, fantastic. So then I think we've reached the end of the show. And um, so we say goodbye from, from Tel Aviv and yes. uh, look forward to the next session and uh, then have a, have a great night and a nice weekend and see you next week. You forgot one thing, um, but I'll do it. Wir brauchen natürlich, um weiterzumachen, uh, Spenden, sonst uh, sind wir irgendwann auf... Uh, uh, donation, um, so it worked well and I'm sure that'll carry on in the future. What we can see, um, what we have uh, dug up today shows it is worth every penny to invest in the work of these people. Beviani, that's it. Yeah, that's was. In, in, in a good mood as well. Stay in a good Although, mood. Yeah. That's more important. Yes. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Tschüss, Wolfgang. Tschüss, tschüss. Macht's gut. Just get a white badge if you're married to someone important. Or if you're just a part of someone's entourage, you get an ugly green badge. You're not good enough. They keep the elites together. And they have their own little police state to make sure these people are focused on ruling the world. If you're not from CNN or the New York Times and you show up uninvited, they'll probably arrest you. And it's all headed up by a guy named Klaus Schwab, who's pretty much running a one world government here. He kicked off the week by saying the future is theirs, not yours.
The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world. And the way they start is by tracking you. If you go deep in the weeds and what these people are saying at this place, they're openly scheming up some of the craziest plans you'll ever hear of, like tracking your carbon footprint. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. You heard it. The one world government wants to keep tabs on what you eat and where you go. All because John Kerry's a little mad that your cheeseburger is wiping out part of the population. People forget greenhouse gases are pollution. And 15 million people a year die because of the quality of the air around the world. We're, we're, we're dealing with a crisis here, folks. It's a crisis made by human beings. Maybe they should take their own advice before jetting off across the world on those private jets, emitting all that carbon. But to them, they have more important things to focus on, like preventing the next pandemic, since it worked out so well last time. If it comes 10 years from now, we should have far, far better diagnostic technology. That is, be able to scale up every country within a month uh, to diagnose their entire population. We're a little distracted right now, so getting the debate going uh, is happening slowly. Yeah, a lot of people are distracted by inflation, food shortages, you know, real problems. But the ruling class at Davos says, don't worry, it's all a part of the plan. We need to accept that there will be some pain in the process. Uh, the pace that we need will uh, will open up for missteps. Mm -hmm. uh, it will open up for uh, shortages of energy. It will create inflationary pressures. And maybe we need to start talking about that, that that pain is actually worth it. If you have all the money in the world, the last thing you have to worry about is inflation. It's our problem, not theirs. They're busy ruling the world. And shady George Soros says if we don't make their ideas a reality, civilization is done for. Fighting pandemics and climate change, avoiding nuclear war, maintaining global institutions, have had to take a backseat to that struggle. That's why I say our civilization may not survive. Believe it when I tell you, these people don't care about any of us. They're just a bunch of globalists hanging out and coming up with too many bad ideas. Ihr Lieben, ich grüße euch hier, die Bauern hier in Luxemburg. Well, the farmers here in Luxembourg, they are so lucky because they are receiving mail from the ministry now that if they allow the land to follow, uh, to lay fallow uh, for three months, uh, three years, they get uh, money from the government. And then in the fourth year, they are allowed to uh, use their lands um, after a quarter of their land again. So they're really well off. Um, so these farmer protests, like in uh, the Netherlands, we don't need to worry about this. Isn't that great? It's crazy what happens here. Madness.